Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Let's see what's on TV. It's a three-point Indiana lead. Robinson drives it out of the right corner and from nowhere. Jackson from the weak side recycles the driving layup. This leads to an Indiana break and Matherin hits a three from out on the right edge of the arc. Down 21, fourth quarter. DJ is picked up, intercepted again by Benjamin Morrison. Here goes Morrison down the Pump fakes, and again he takes a sack. The rivalry is back on. For Matt, this is going to be his fifth punt. So far today, averaging only 39 yards per punt. Marcus Jones back deep to receive, and it's blocked. It's blocked by the Patriots. They scoop it up inside the 10, and they're knocked down around the two-yard line. This sucks. I'd rather watch paint dry. What else is on? Yeah, let's see what else. Where's the TV guy? Shotgun snap for Henry. He's going to pass. Looking left side into the end zone, and it's hauled in. One-handed grab is made by Ramondre Stevenson. Oh, God! Somebody do something! Why are they doing this? I certainly did not anticipate today. The rivalry is back on. I mean, Kevin, what do we play? The Jim Mora? Like, in my opinion, that sucked. Or we couldn't run the ball. We couldn't pass the ball. We couldn't do diddly-poo. To quote Jim Mora, Kevin, yesterday, that was a disgraceful performance. Yeah. Yep. Um, Embarrassing is probably putting it lightly. I'd love to see the uptick in raking leaves at about maybe 2.30 yesterday in the city of Indianapolis. Here's the thing. It's a boring product, Jake. It's a boring, inept product. It is. This is what, and I certainly hope that when people decide to go out and rake leaves or whatever, that they still listen to the game right here on this radio station to Matt Taylor. But why do people continue to invest their time and money in going down to watching a product that when... Did you ever see the movie Fever Pitch with Jimmy Fallon? No. I have, yes. It's a good movie, mm-hmm. right? In the movie, Kevin, he's a diehard Boston Red Sox fan, and he's coaching a Little League team, and he's like telling them something along the lines of he can't come to the next game because he's got Red Sox season tickets, and, and a little kid on the team says to Jimmy Fallon, you love the Red Sox, but why do you put all your time in? Because when's the last time they loved you back? And with the Colts... Why should people continue to have to put their time and money into a product to go down there when the fans are putting in their best effort and the team is not? And I don't mean guys aren't playing hard. I mean the Colts need to just come out and say, because one of two things is in play, and this is what I'm going to hammer all morning, Kevin. They're either intentionally tanking to improve their draft position to get a quarterback next year because they realize that that witching hour has finally arrived And if that's the case, fine, just admit it. Or this really is their best effort, and if so, then everybody needs to be fired and never brought back again. That's the scary part is they are not intentionally tanking. They are not. Then everybody needs to be fired because that's completely inept. The city deserves better. People have given way too much time, way too much emotion, way too much passion, and way too much money for a team that sucks like that, that goes out and absolutely plays dead and is an embarrassment to the profession. Yeah, that was – it's there. Um, this is not some you know one outlier performance, anything like this. 
Um, the core beliefs of what your GM and head coach believe in are historically bad right now. Uh, you're you're probably one of the laughing stocks of the NFL. Um, if someone asked me yesterday, are they the worst team in the NFL? Again, I don't know if they're the worst, but they are the most boring. I mean, yesterday, that was beyond painful to watch them try and move the football. It was the worst offensive performance I've ever seen from a Colts team. Worse than Jacoby Brissett-led offenses in 2017. Worse than Curtis Painter in 2011. Um, Scott told I mean, it's not like you had you know five turnovers that kind of mask how bad of a day it was. Um, you literally had the fewest yards per play in the history of the franchise here in Indianapolis. The franchise moved here in 1984. Like, imagine telling... Colts fans before the day, you are going to hold the New England Patriots to their worst offensive performance in 12 years and lose by 23 points. New England had their worst yards per play in a dozen years, and somehow you lost that football game by 23 points. We're two weeks into, I guess, the Pacers season. The Pacers and Colts have played the same amount of games, and the Pacers have more wins than the Colts. Give me, give me a game. Just give me a team from yesterday. Just, just name a team. Uh, Dolphins. Sorry, Mark. Okay, Dolphins. Okay. Justin Fields looked great. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Tyreek Hill had more yards receiving yesterday than the Colts had in total offense. Give me, give me another team. Mark, uh, give me a team off the top of your head. I was watching the Chiefs late last night. Chargers. We'll go with Chargers. Uh, okay, Chargers played the Falcons. Let's see here. Justin Herbert had 245 yards through the air. Um, Marcus Mariota had 245. So both quarterbacks threw for double the Colts' total offensive production. I mean, any game. You can any name game. Anything. Detroit Lions, Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I mean, like, seriously, pick a game. Yeah, yeah, 121 total. Literally, the only other team that had as somewhat of an ugly offensive performance, even sniffing you, was the team you played. Yeah. <laughs> they beat you by 23. Uh, good news. We've got IU and Butler tonight. We've got the Pacers back in action. We've got Purdue basketball tomorrow. And if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're waiting for... I like the raspy voice, Jake. I think that will help your singing this morning. You like that? I just drank some orange juice. I definitely... uh, Six flights in seven days. I picked up some... Tested negative twice a day for the last week, but... A little blues action here for the Notre Dame fight song when we get time for that here. But here's the thing, if I may. I don't recall, like... Agree, like it wasn't like I was like I'm telling you Clemson's gonna win. What do you want to wager? I, I, I'm the one that was like, yeah, I don't think we need to wager anything. I think Clemson's gonna lose the game. I'm not trying to, but your fandom is still there, and I think it was a nice gentleman's agreement. Painting of the chest was something Mark threw out there. No way that was happening. Yeah, you know we, we we backed off that, but we played the fight songs on Friday to get a little preview of it. And that at was some point, um, some point today. We'll have to. Uh, that was just one of those it. games, Kevin. Is I, I don't know if I mean I don't follow Notre Dame enough to know if you've ever had this experience. There are certain games <laughs> oh, where yeah. you can just tell, like five minutes in, you're like, just nothing goes your way. It's like one of those dreams where every door's locked, and you could just tell right away. I had a bad feeling about it going into the game because I think Clemson. I think Clemson's good. I don't think they're great, and. There were just a million things going against him going into the game. And when that block punt happened, I was like, this is the first sign. That, that's the first sign that like the roof's about to collapse, right? It's all Notre Dame does is block punts. And I just assumed Clemson wouldn't allow that. And, I mean, Notre Dame, like I said, Drew Pine, awful. No way he can throw it. And I would say that was probably, 
embarrassing if I were a Clemson fan to think that Notre Dame can't throw it and they just bullied them. Well, that's the, the problem is Clemson's offense is almost, I mean, Will Shipley is a talented back, but their offense is totally based on throwing the ball. So when you got 40-mile-an-hour wins and you're like, well, that means that this is going to be a running game, they were in serious trouble before the game even began. They couldn't stop them from running the ball. Good Monday morning to you. It looks like a beautiful day here in Indianapolis. Nice start to the week temperature-wise here. Colts, um, again, one of the more embarrassing performance in the franchise's history. 26-3 to yesterday. There's a litany of numbers you can throw to, to point to that. Um, Jake, I thought really... It would have to take something pretty catastrophic for Jim Mersey to make an in-season change. Yesterday would qualify as that. Like, at some point... Does Jim Mersey make that change, though? I, I, I'm not, like, a fan of necessarily or, like, an advocate to stand on table and say, fire you know, fire coaches and fire GMs in-season. First off, firing a GM in-season, like, you know, it's not like you make a slew of roster moves. But at some point, Jake, does it become just... You need to send a message. Well, they're you running out of they're running out of people to send the message about. You need to tell your fan base and tell your organization that this is embarrassing. I don't think they think it is. Well, yesterday I think it was at, at another level. Is it? Oh, it's a few amount of yards in the history no, no, no. Of the franchise no I, I, I'm not saying that to you. Yes. Do you think to, to Jim Irsay? I would think would call yesterday embarrassing. I would hope, and I would think he would call yesterday. I mean, I would think so too, but embarrassing we don't know we haven't seen a post-game video yet we saw drake the dog before the game Mm -hmm. here's the thing kevin going into this season what were we told what's what's the three words that we were told about the colts for this season that we were promised that everyone in the building period was all chips in It was not about next year. It was not about two years from now. It was about right now. And I get that that just simply means like with a dedication. I I get it. But they were, in terms of winning this year, they were all chips in. Period. Are you? Chips in. Period. Yeah. Are you? Because you've got a third string quarterback that. I know he's a great story and he's a great guy and maybe he's got talent. It's hard to say when he's getting sacked nine times what he can do. You've got an offensive line. Matt Pryor, they should put they need to take down who are the who are the portraits on Lucas Oil Stadium right now? It's Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor. Is DeForest, DeForest Buckner, Buckner one? Buckner, I think, and I think Leonard. Okay. Yeah, Leonard's the other one. I don't know which one you take down. But you got to take down one of them to put Matt Pryor up there because getting benched from three different positions in the same season is awesome. Like, that's awesome. Do you know how hard that is to do? To not be good enough to not one, not two, but three different positions? That is awesome. We don't, like, we, I don't think that we are paying enough respect to the greatness before us that we're being able to watch. This is, Kevin, an aptitude at a level of unprecedented nature in the last, well, I shouldn't say, uh, of the 21st century. I mean, for the Colts to be able to go back, I loved my childhood, loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I think people naturally are nostalgic. I always thought that you needed a DeLorean and the gigawatts to go 88 miles and at 1.21 gigawatts to go back to the fe- to go back to the past. I-, I didn't realize that all I got to do is just wait long enough and let Chris Ballard build a football team and I'm back to 1985. It's awesome. Back to Eastwood Middle School. 
Because quarterback carousel, offensive line that's a complete sieve, total disaster, embarrassment, getting your ass kicked in New England, hell yes. Like, let's let's go for a second Reagan term. We're in the mid-80s, baby. I love it. That's my thought on it all. Um, 11 straight halftime deficits for the Colts. They have not had a lead entering the fourth quarter all year. Only team in the NFL with that. Um, in this three-game losing streak, two touchdowns in 37 drives of offense. And in- again, this is year six and five for this regime. And if Jim Merce cannot look in the mirror at that and realize the extensions he gave these guys have not even sniffed the results that you should expect, then you've got a problem top down. Um, and I, I didn't think we would get here in season, but I'm really starting to wonder, really starting to wonder if Jim Mercer well, will, will will do something uh, before the year is But over. you're talking about just Frank Reich, right? I think it's very rare to see a GM fired. But do you think the GM is in hot water at all? In season. Um, it, I don't know. Uh, should be, yes. I've made the seat warmer analogy many times, and the seat warmer should be on full blast. It should be you know, negative five degrees outside. You get in your car, and it should be full, full blast. They should be tied at the hip. Because, Jake, it all comes back to, again, the the root of these issues right now are what each of these guys, Frank Reich and Chris Boward, would call their most important belief, their greatest strength, what they believe in. O-line for Ballard is an absolute joke. It's broken. Um, like you said, Matt, Matt Pryor's played three different spots right guard is a mess um the in a week frank Wright gives a vote of confidence to chris strasser that's the response from that group and honestly what i saw early in the game yesterday was you just getting out coached thoroughly bill belichick saying here is my best player matthew judon let me find your worst player in matt Pryor, and let me stunt towards matt Pryor every single obvious pass rushing down and the colts had Zero answer for him whatsoever. That is just flat out outcoached. Flat out. My best player against your worst player. We know full well the right side of your line has not been able to handle stunts for years. And we're going to make sure that you prove that in this environment. And the Colts said, all right, feel free to do that. We'll probably just let Sam Ellinger get sacked nine times. What's going on with Quentin Nelson? Is he has he regressed or is he the victim of bad play around him? No, he's certainly regressed. Yeah, I mean, did honestly like is he healthy? Because there are plays, Kevin, where he, I mean, this is a guy making twenty million a year at the guard position who was thought to be a generational talent. Maybe he still is. I don't know. But like, there are plays where he looks like me out there. He looks like me in algebra. He's just like reaching at straws, right? Colts have allowed 35 sacks this season. In the Frank Reich era, they allowed 18, 31, 21, and 32 sacks. There's eight more games to go, and they've already allowed the most sacks in the Reich era. How about 0 for 14 on third down? Like, don't you just fall into a third down conversion? Or, or maybe you get to like fourth and inches. Well, I guess another week of practice and Sam Ellinger still doesn't know how to QB sneak it. 0 for 14 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down. Belichick wore flip-flops to the press conference afterwards. That was such a thorough beating. Flip-flops. Just laughing. 
Uh, hey, Jake, 80s Colts football. I'm going to go to McDonald's for my Albert Bentley football card. Yeah, Claude knows what I'm talking about. Hell yeah. I was Ron in- Stark might show up a youth group. I was up in Illinois for a wedding this weekend, so we had like the Bears-Dolphins game on. I had the Colts-Patriots game on on my phone, and we had Red Zone on the other TV. My dad's like, are the Colts on a bye week? I haven't seen them at all. I'm like, no, they're just not scoring. That's they're not the on Red They're not Zone. featured on Red Zone That's because right. they aren't even remotely close to scoring today. I mean, by the way, I, when I said, when you said like that was embarrassing, and I'm like, I don't know, do you think they're really embarrassed? That was kind of rhetorical. I mean, I'm sure Jim Jim Irsay is livid, but when you talk about Kevin, you know, would Jim Irsay make a change at head coach midway through the year? He is so, understandably so, and respectfully so, so hell-bent on not being the knee-jerk reactionary guy of his father. But would, I would argue they've never been like this in the Irsay ownership. I also Jim Irsay's ownership, they've never been like this. After this stretch... Would anything be knee-jerk at this point? Like, you've let it play out. Like I, Kevin, I would make... I would argue this. In the year that Peyton Manning got hurt, and I know they were probably indeed doing suck for luck, but when Peyton Manning was removed, you realized the number of deficiencies they had across the board that were masked by Peyton Manning and how poorly constructed that team was. And you could make the argument that in that season with Curtis Painter out there, they had games where they looked equally inept. But preseason expectations with Curtis Painter quarterback far different than preseason expectations with Matt Ryan at quarterback. Well, undoubtedly. I think that's what you have to factor the, the, in. The, to your point that you... The thing that's weird, though, Kevin, is that Matt Ryan theoretically still could be out there. So what are they... Do they really think... If they... Again, this goes back to the point, Kevin, to your what you just said. Matt Ryan is standing there in a hoodie on the sidelines, right? I know that he's got the shoulder issue, but they said the injury is not why this change was made. So that means either you are tanking or you realistically felt that Sam Ellinger was the answer to turning your season around. If, if they realistically thought that what we saw yesterday was part of a solution towards turning the season around, then fire everybody. Because there's no way that anybody... How can... Well, you're going to fire the owner? Because he's the one that thought it more than anybody. I, I get it, but... How can wanted Ellinger. How can anybody think that that was the answer? Not I get you wanted to take a look at him. Fine. But come on, man. I mean, that was Scott Tolzien level, right? Yeah, obviously the offensive line, horrific. Um, I thought when Ellinger had some opportunities to make plays, he looked like the Ellinger that I think we thought, particularly in this first road start against that that. Defense. I mean, he had a nice throw to Jelani Woods at one point. Yeah, I mean, the Granson inter- the interception was obviously Granson's fault and not hauling that in, but still Ellinger looked like a guy that, again, you need to heavily be invested into the quarterback class coming up in 2023. Um, yeah, a bright spot, Quiddy Pay. Good for him. Loud and proud. I mean, I I just think this is the worst it's been in, in, in the ownership. Because again, Jake, you were told in the offseason the quarterback was the issue. The quarterback was the problem. Carson Wentz is gone. Matt Ryan's going to come here and he's going to be the cure-all. And this is year five and year six of a regime. You look back on 2011 
you had had some trends of poor drafts with the Polian, you know, Bill to Chris Polian. Um, that group was aging in general. All of that group was aging. The big contracts. This group is supposed to be in its prime. The core is supposed to be in its prime years. You're supposed to be ascending as an era, and you have taken this giant, giant step back. I mean, you watched Tennessee last night with a backup quarterback going there, compete their ass off, probably should have won that game, and they have a ton more injuries than the Colts have right now. A ton more. And yet, they continue you know to put what, out. You know what I saw in Tennessee, Kevin? What I saw in Tennessee last night was a franchise that didn't necessarily have an issue at quarterback, but still went out and drafted one, and theoretically now it appears as though might have long-term some knowledge of who their quarterback's going to be. Here in Indy right now, there's a lack of hope. Because Correct. there isn't that. You know, look over on Pennsylvania right now. There's not the Halliburton Matherin. Right. There isn't that. And in Tennessee, when Tannehill goes down, they have that younger quarterback that, yeah, I mean, sure, Malik Willis has got a lot of growth, but, you know, he had some plays last night where you're like, okay, you know, there could be something here down the road for when it's over for Tannehill down there. Um, It's just a sad, sad state. It is a sad state that here we are early November and this is where you're at. I mean, you still got you got the undefeated Eagles coming to town. You got two Monday night football games still. In terms of the season, it's over. It's over. Which is sad, Jake. I mean, you got eight games to go. You got nearly half the season. Again, college basketball starting tonight cannot be at a better time for the local audience. The Pacers having three straight at home this week. Awesome. Couldn't be a better time for that. The NFL team is such a sorry, sorry product. It is boring, beyond boring. And I keep on bringing up that word because, Jake, as an owner, you've got to think about that. This is not like the Colts are losing shutouts or losing shootouts. This is not, hey, boy, they've had two or three games this year, Jake, where they've scored 31 points. Jacksonville was the outlier. You went no huddle, had Matt Ryan for an afternoon, looked decent. That was the outlier. You look at these... Now nine weeks into the season, and it is just such a pitiful, pitiful product. I'm Great telling leaves, you though, baby, that's what yesterday afternoon was about. I mean, it was a beautiful day. You don't know how many of them we have left. I feel bad for people that, and they'll have a fabulous time with Bullseye Event Group going out to Vegas. I mean, it's Vegas, right? On the road to go see the the. the Everything about it's going to be great except for the game, probably, right? Although the Raiders are terrible, too. God, the Raiders. How about being a, like a Colts season like, salesperson? Hey, you want season tickets in 2023? Mm-hmm. Oh, people will, people will buy all in, Mark. You kidding me? Of course. Everybody is terrified of dropping out their season tickets because you never know when lightning is going to strike again, and you don't want to be the, the fear of missing out. And the Colts, there is nobody that makes more money off FOMO than the Colts. I think I've heard a little bit of a bigger section, Jake, though, of like, enough is enough. Yeah, people say it. They're going to do that, though? I feel like we've had some callers where I'm done. I'm giving my season tickets to X amount of people. But they still paid for them, right? Well, at this point of the season, they're saying, they right, will, here you go. No, I get it. But they'll buy them again next year. I guarantee it. It's going to be hard to spend this one. Jared Goff, is he the QB here next year? Oh, Aaron Rodgers? Trying, yeah, trying to think of a veteran name. Uh, hey, Jake, is Dean Bia Sushi going to be at Marsh signing autographs this week? He is. He and Fieldy. 
Stop by the produce section. Leo Wisniewski will be there as well. We'll take your call, 317-239-1070. I tweeted at you Saturday night, seeing if you wanted to meet up yesterday to practice the fight song. Did not hear back from you. I was at my buddy's 50th birthday party. Oh. During the game. So I wasn't I wasn't necessarily sitting by the phone. But I have my lyrics ready. I wrote lyrics out to make sure that I'm ready to go. Look at that. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. Will you at least give me credit for the fact that I told you Clemson was probably going to lose that game? Dabo was pissed afterwards. He was. That was that was But you are also, happy because you don't want to see them embarrassed in the playoffs. Well, I'm not saying happy, but I mean there was Listen, you. I'm going down there next weekend, so it would have oh, been nice geez. to go down to see a nine and team as opposed to an eight and one team. It is a little bit def- deflating because I don't see how they get in now. Although there's going to be, we, we still got more chaos. Yeah, they. I mean, they still have an outside chance, but I'd be surprised if they get it's in. It's kind of crazy. November seventh, and you're thinking Alabama and Clemson need a ton of help. Yeah, for sure, a ton of help. All right, a lot to get to. Obviously, on today's show, Jeff Saturday going to join us in the nine o'clock hour. We'll pepper him with some offensive line questions. And obviously, we will take your calls. The Colts are three, five, and one on the year. Their worst offensive form performance in the history. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, fam. I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today of the Indianapolis Colts yesterday. Thank you for tuning in to Kevin and Quarry on a beautiful Monday morning here. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, let's start with the Pacers. How about that win? On Friday night over the Miami Heat, couple rookies in there to close it out. Andrew Nemhart, some terrific defense. Benedict Matherin, we continue to establish the blueprint on the statue that will be going up here very shortly. I'll keep you posted <laughs> on that. Uh, four and five right now, the Pacers. Unfortunately, Chris Duarte, though, ugly looking sprained ankle. Rick Carlisle said yesterday they will reevaluate in two weeks. Uh, I think Adrian Wojnarowski pushed it out closer to like a month to a month and a half. Um, so Aaron Neesmith already banged up, so the Pacers will be down a little bit on the wings. Tonight they've got the Pelicans. I thought that was a weird tip time, if I'm not mistaken. I'm seeing 7 o'clock on the board. What? I thought it was 7.45. That must be the pregame, right? Oh, that makes sense. Pregame starts at 7? Yep. Yeah, 7.45 tonight. And I think Zion Williamson is pretty healthy. Yes. Pelicans tonight. Hawks on Wednesday. Or, uh, bird Nuggets. Week. Nuggets on Wednesday. I think Hawks maybe Friday. Oh, okay. Well, not Bird Week. Close. Chicken right. Nuggets, right? That's right. There you go. Yeah. Three for three on the birds. Thank Something you. Like that. Uh, yesterday, the NFL, a disgraceful performance to use Jim Irsay, or excuse me, uh, Jim Moore's old quote. 26-3, Patriots over the Colts. Uh, Kevin, pick your poison in terms of an area to decipher that was a disaster, right? Well, the offensive line, utterly horrific. You know, kind of a little, like, 
the game was close in the first half, like on the scoreboard. A game, or it, like a game within the game that the Colts lost, like very, very large, was the kicking game. Nick Folk made those long field goals. Chase McLaughlin missed, and the block field or the block punt was huge. The block punt gave New England a chance for that early touchdown. So instead of like six three at half. It was, what, 13-0, and at that point, it was over. But obviously, the offensive line, nine sacks for Sam Ellinger. Nine times. Nine times. (laughs) Here was Frank Reich yesterday on the offensive line. Uh, Where'd it go? I lost it. I lost it. I lost it. Mark, what are we doing? I understand that's a big number. Um, I got to look at it. You know, was I putting them in the right position? You know, are are we giving them, you know, the work that they need to to be ready for that? you know, was the ball coming out to the right place on time? You know, were the receivers? It's, it's everything. So I'm not going to put it on the O-line. You know, I, I've been <laughs> in games where we had okay. nine sacks before as a player and as a coach. Uh, and then you turn it around. So I'm going to just believe we can get that figured out. Wait, did he say, are we putting them in the right position? You go back. What? You, what is that? It's this is the National Football League. Well, you know our offensive line. We put them in bad spots where we were expecting them to protect. Yeah. What? The, the most sacks given up in the Frank Reich era, and he's not sure if he wants to put it on the O line. I mean, I guess that's Frank trying to publicly yeah, not call anyone out. Uh, Chris Strasser's got to be fired today, right? Okay. If you're going to fire Marcus Brady, I mean, you're getting awfully close to the to the rungs, right? Like. You're moving up the rungs here. Yeah. Do you have enough coaches left by the end of the year? That's pretty much where you're at. Uh, Colts and Raiders, longest road trip of the year. Las Vegas coming up this weekend. Uh, what else stood out to you guys around the league yesterday? Miami, Chicago. You were very pleased with Justin Fields. Very Mark. pleased. Yep. And Loved a loss. It. Got jobbed by the refs, but that's all right. Ooh. That's okay. Got jobbed Did you see by Ch- the refs. If you saw Chase Claypool get absolutely mugged and there was no pass interference call, that was a blatant pass interference. That's okay though. The Jets are six and three. They beat the Bills. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers look absolutely toast. Three and six. They score nine points. Uh, Did you guys see Kirk Cousins in the flight home? I did see that. He looked like he was having a good time. He kind of he had a little Ryan Fitzpatrick in him. You know, just kind of that like. I guess the seatbelt sign must have been off. (laughs) Uh huh. By the way, rough turbulence. uh, I had. Did I tell you that already? Let me tell you. My flight last week, some rough turbulence. Really? Not good. Uh, you mentioned the Dolphins. How about, by the way, what's going on with Green Bay? Three and six. I mean, their year theoretically is over, but Aaron Rodgers, three picks. Five-game losing streak. Is he done? Is this Look, it? Looks done. Joe Mixon, hope you didn't play him in fantasy yesterday. Four touchdowns as the Bengals roll. Uh, Tom Brady. Uh, unbelievable finish to that one with the Rams playing some very questionable defense there. The Bucks are now leading the NFC South at four and five. How about these two playoff matchups if the playoffs started today? Bucks hosting Cowboys, Vikings hosting 49ers. Okay, how about this one? Uh, what's San Francisco's record? Uh, 500, right? Mm, I thought they were game over. Who's leading the NFC West? Uh, Seattle, right? How about that? Wasn't Six there and thought, three Seattle Seahawks. I mean, there was thought that Seattle was absolutely mailing it in to try to get themselves a quarterback. They're 6-3. and three. 
Chiefs-Titans was a crazy one last night. The Chiefs pulled that out in overtime 20-17. to Tonight, it'll be Ravens and Saints. By the way, people are noting uh, the NBA schedule for today, why it's such so weird. Everybody's off for the election tomorrow. So the NBA staggered time. So everybody starts in 15-minute increments. So like Bulls, Raptors, or like, you know, Wizards, Hornets tips off at 7. Rockets, Magic set 7-15. Thunder, Pistons at 7. Like, it's all staggered. At, why? Yeah, it's I don't not know. like they have. I don't know. I guess if you that's have how lead, they did it though, because no one's on pass, that would be the no only one's reason playing why. tomorrow. I guess so. That's why. Bally why they Sports did it? letting know. you watch all the NBA games tonight. Yeah. So Bally Sports doesn't doesn't actually freeze tonight till seven forty seven. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. I feel like I have people tweeting at me every game. Jake. Do you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, there, there seems to be an issue there. Uh, Astros won the World Series. Whoop de doo four two. That one. Um, yeah, their bullpen was terrific. Jeremy Pena, the MVP. College football, Purdue, awful. Indiana, awful. Boy, Indiana. Clemson, awful. Did you see the line for Ohio State, Indiana this weekend? 28. Oh, it's got to be I'm more. guessing. The spread, like what the point spread is? A 28 would be my guess. 38. 31. 45. Ohio State is 41 point favorites on the <laughs> 41 okay how about northwestern with the cover yeah that was 38 and a half that Alaska was that was another weather terrible weather game right yeah saturday was a day for big 10 unders you need to bet the big 10 unders uh, again college basketball tonight indiana and butler both in action purdue will get their season underway tomorrow night i have a question for you kevin when we come back uh that we've kind of talked about a little bit but i want to get further into it and get phone calls and reaction from people regarding yesterday's total debacle fair let's do it whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you when St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. All right, Kevin and Quarry, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. So, Kevin, here's what I said for those that are just joining us. And good morning to you on a Monday. It is Kevin and Quarry. Jake Quarry here, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton as well. Beautiful 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. It is gorgeous out. Lighter earlier in the morning. Um, what I said earlier was this, to paraphrase. The Colts have taken me back in time. Because this reminds me of the mid-80s or second half of the 90s, just before Peyton Manning-level Colts. Searching for a quarterback, trying to come up with little reasons to be positive. Coming into the season, the Colts franchise promised us that they were all chips in. And they went out and got Matt Ryan. And they were all chips in on the season. And they had taken care of the problem, as you had mentioned, Kevin, with Carson Wentz. And now here they are circling the drain. They're boring. They can't guard anything. Their offensive line that we were promised was going to be the area where they were going to build from the inside out is a total disaster. And one of two things is the case. 
they either are doing what the Pacers are doing and looking towards the future and sacrificing the season towards that, which is fine, except for that they sold everybody a bill of goods and they've been lying about it, or this really is, in their opinion, they're all chips in, at which point their assessment of chips sucks and the chips they have are awful. It's one of those two things. But my question for you, Kevin, is this. Frank Reich keeps saying, this is on me. We have the players. I need to do a better job. I didn't coach him up. I came up with the wrong game plan. He's routinely said this. Does Frank Reich want out? Is he asking to be fired? I'm asking that 60% rhetorically and 40% seriously. But is this a guy that... People say, you know, all the time with teams, did the coach lose the locker room? Did the locker room lose the coach? You know, I'm a big believer, Jake, in like the NFL, it's self-motivated individuals, you know, for the most part, you should be, you know, playing for your job, playing for your livelihood. But when you have not had a score on an opening drive all season long, you haven't had a halftime lead in 11 straight games, at some point, that is a reflection on your head coach. For sure. Who's also your play caller, who's also in charge of the scripted portion of plays, all of those things. Um, I brought it up late last week, Jake, and someone threw this idea out to me. I mean, could Frank Reich retire at the end of the year? It doesn't seem like the craziest thought in the world. Especially now, right? Obviously, Jim Mercer could beat him to the punch, I guess, really. Um, He just looks so dejected. So dejected. Now, given his playing resume... As an underdog and all these comebacks and whatever, and you listen to his post-game press conference yesterday, his words don't sound like that. His words don't, but the body language to me tells a totally different story. And again, ben, you know, having Jim Mercer interfere to bench Matt Ryan, the firing of Marcus Brady, which I think was much more unright. These are very unright moves. And um, yeah, I, I don't think it's the most ludicrous question at all. But again, I think there's merit for Jim Mercer to walk in there today and say, all right, enough's enough, which I, I have not said to this point. You know, To do something midseason would take just pitiful embarrassment, and that's exactly what yesterday was. Again, with the areas of this football team that him and Chris Ballard believe in the most. This is not the, the first-year defensive coordinator, Jake, is putting together a performance yesterday that the New England Patriots have not had in a dozen years. New England was so bad on offense yesterday. This is not Gus Bradley's scheme, taking time to develop this and that. This is year five of your head coach and play caller, year six of your GM, whose number one belief is offensive line. If I'm Jim Irsay, that to me is like, why should we continue with this operation when you guys have built it to this point? That would be the one where I'm just looking at, looking at this and thinking, why? Why should I continue to do How this? How long do you think most general managers should get? How many years? Right around a handful. Because we're in year what for Chris Ballard? Six. Year six. And they are at this point, how many years away, if they're kind of doing a reset here, that... That buys you how many more years? Three? Two? Like if you draft a rookie QB in April? Yes. Uh, Yeah, I mean probably in the two to three range. So now we're looking at eight to nine years with what? A playoff win? Yeah, and zero division titles. 
Right. Ballard's refusal to swing the bat has extended his leash. I mean, his refusal to, him, I guess. to take a chance. What about his refusal to talk to anybody? Yeah, I, I think we need to hear from him. I honestly think we need to hear from Ursay. We only hear from Ursay when it's going well. We only hear from Ursay at the NFL owners' meetings. When have we heard from Ursay after a loss this season? It'll but just, you know it'll what? It'll be a tweet. It won't be a, it won't be a video or anything like that. It'll be a tweet like, tough win, but thanks for coming out. Kansas City game right there by the bus. Yeah. I do like Drake. Accountability from the top down. Someone asked if Drake could play left tackle. Did you notice with Drake how long his leash is? Could Seems be. to be a theme, right? Could be a part of the organization's theme. Trucker Rob. What's up, Rob? Good morning. Good to talk to you, Jake. Kevin, how you guys doing this morning? Trucker Rob, good Monday morning to you. You know, I had three thoughts this morning as I was driving up here to my delivery on the northwest side. I thought, you know what, Jake, you talked about that time machine. I don't think young people realize, you know, back in the 80s, we went to the Marsh Grocery Store and we got our paper sacks and we cut holes in them and wore them in, in the stadium. Oh, yeah. You know, I, 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 that's the one thing. The second thing, they just need to put a big banner out in front of Lucas Oil Stadium that says, give us a team we can be proud of again. Thank you. The fans of Indianapolis. And the third thing, you know, I, I've, I've listened to what Kevin said, you know, Ursay doesn't usually do the things that his dad did. I mean, we all know how, you know, contentious his dad was. But, you know, I really seriously think that it's time. You need to fire the head coach. You need to let him go. As far as Chris Ballard, you know, I, 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 he, he's part of it, too. He's a big reason of it, too. And like you guys have said, you know, he's the guy that has gone and said, oh, this is, you know, this is my cup of tea. This is what I know how to do. You know, I know how to draft players. I know how to do this. Well, you know, where are we at now? You look at the situation that we're at now, and now we're stuck in a conundrum, if you will, because how are we going to – what's going to happen with the draft? Unless – how many games do we have left in the season? How many games left? Eight. Okay, so so what's what what's the deal? I mean, you know, you look at okay, the Detroit Lions now are what one and six right now, you know. I mean, so if you go by theory and, and the way things go, they would have a prime pick in the draft. So, so now right now, playing. that's a yeah. good point, Rob. Um, yeah, I mean, Texans, Panthers, Lions, yeah, all the I two mean, losses are less, and all of them have got to be in the quarterback market. So, so you're yeah. gonna. You know, theoretically, you'd have to move up probably, it's right? It's not an ideal situation. I mean, you're looking at right now, unless you make a trade, potentially the fourth QB in that draft class. Does it come a time where you're just like, you know what? I just got to send a message if you're Ursay. We've had all these different scapegoats. Now we've got to send a message with the top of the organization, and we got to do it midseason. <laughs> this from what's happening, Todd. Hey, what's happening? Your lines are busy, but when the Colts win their next three games and the Titans lose two or three... We're back in first in the AFC South. When the Colts beat the Raiders and turn it around, they'll take it back home and beat the best team in the NFL, the Eagles, and the whole narrative changes. We still got a shot. This team will come around. Go Colts. Man, season ticket hold. Whoever's selling season tickets, call him. He's all in. We got a new guy starting today. (laughs) How about yesterday? That was a beautiful day in Foxborough, which I know was shocking to everyone. Took 11 minutes. Um... 
for the Colts' uh, first wide receiver tight end to catch a pass in the, in the game. Took 20 minutes for your first first down non-penalty. How about your first third down conversion? <laughs> They're hoping they can start the game back up today to try and get that. We're twiddling our thumbs waiting for yeah, that one. Yeah, that'll be next year. They were, what, 0 for 16 between third and fourth down conversions? Yeah, 0 for 14 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down. That's solid. The Kylan Granson fullback dive really worked. They should hang a banner for that. I mean, honestly, there should be a banner up, shouldn't there be? They should hang a banner like, oh, oh for 14 on third down conversions, which is awesome. They should hang a banner again for Matt Pryor for being benched at three different positions in the same season. Like, that is like. So, who's the scapegoat this week? Pryor, Chris Strasser, or does it go to Frank Reich? Um, that would be hilarious if it was Strasser because it wasn't. Reich just singing his praises a week ago, just like he said about Matt Ryan. So, like a week later, you know, oh, Strasser's out too. We have Matt Ryan. We have that. Matt Ryan. I really hope Marcus Brady enjoyed some nice whiskey during the game yesterday, just sitting on his couch. Thanks to Fine Gilmore's like, hey, Bill, can you can right. you come get me out that, of here? Is that any way the trade deadline can be pushed back another <laughs> You week? know, today, uh, Jeff Perlman wrote a book about Bo Jackson. And I ordered it, and it arrives today. And and I've said, the reason, I know we're up against it here, the, the reason that I'm so fascinated by Bo Jackson is because he was the marquee athlete of my late high school years. And that's, I think, for so many people, music, you know, people so much get, like, caught up in the nostalgia of their high school years. or their. And, and again, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again, I want to thank the Colts. I want to thank them for allowing me every Sunday to just nestle in and go back to 1985. Total ineptitude, quarterback rotation, constantly looking for answers that aren't there, and being the laughing stock of the NFL. Hell yes, let's go. I, I love every minute of it. I hope that I can go to Kroger and get a Johnny Cook's poster to make paper airplanes to fly down on the field. Maybe Huddle will be out there, the little the little mascot, the pony thing that dropped the deuce on the 20-yard line. Zoop, well, let's get Zoop out lifting Tonka trucks. I mean, hell yes, I'm all in. What was that? Love it. 8 Good o'clock call. hour coming up. Kevin and Corey. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. Uh, 11 straight games without an opening touchdown. 11 straight games without a halftime lead. 10 straight games without a lead going into the fourth quarter. Um, 0 for 14 on third down. 2.02 yards per play, Jake. That is the worst number in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. So think about all those Colts teams, Jake, you watched... Late 80s, early 90s, all of them had better than 2.02 yards per play. One of the wilder notes from yesterday, Sam Ellinger threw for 103 passing yards. Yet, if you look at the total net passing yards for the Colts on the game, 43. 
You had 60 yards in sacks. So you have to subtract 60 from 103 to have a passing offense day in beautiful weather of 43 yards. I'm telling you. <clears throat> Numbers are just hideous. I'm just going to keep going back to it, Kevin, and I know I'm a broken record here. But it appears as though all signs would indicate towards the Colts feeling like that was their best effort. Let me rephrase that. Going into the game. In other words, you know, there are, there are teams that you can look at and there are years that you can look at with any any team. And you can say, well, that team really fell short and they weren't very good. But later we found out, you know, they were kind of taking on a different strategy. They were looking towards the future or they were wanting to look at, you know, incorporating a new offensive scheme or whatever it may be. And then it all makes sense. With this particular version of the Colts, they made it very clear from the beginning of the year from the owner. All chips in. This was all pushed in. This was the year. We are going for it. We had a problem last year at the quarterback position. We took care of that, and now we're all in. And they went out, and they got Matt Ryan. And then when the season was not lost in totality, they made the move to, and I do think that there's probably some finance in play with his injury and making sure that he's not injured at the end of the year and having to give him an extra $17 million with Matt Ryan. But either way, I'm going by what the Colts told me. And I'm going by what fans believe the Colts told them. And that is that in this year, they were guaranteeing with each and every game, period, they were all chips in. If that is what they consider to be all chips in, then whoever is coming up with the chips that they're pushing needs to be removed. And whoever is figuring out what hand to play needs to be removed. Those chips need to be recalled. Correct. There's a food issue. Hmm. Correct. I know you're going gambling. I'm going food, of course. Uh, uh, The issue is that guy is the man who owns the team. But we were told that this was an owner that wasn't going to meddle. Well, he has. You know, to the question about, and we're doing to get some calls, so we'll get to those in just a second. Jake, to the question about, has Frank Reich lost the locker room? I look at the actions and think back to how last season ended. You were playing for two playoff berths. You're playing for a playoff berth at home with the Raiders, then on the road with Jacksonville. You saw the response in those two games. You come back this year at the start of the year. All that simmering from the way last season ended. Week one, you continue to lose your openers to a team right now, or tie your opener to a team right now that's the worst in the NFL. You go week two in Jacksonville. How do you respond from week one? You get shut out in a place that you haven't won since 2014. How do you respond to Tennessee sweeping you the year before? You get swept by them again. You have the commanders or the backup quarterback and everything that was within that matchup, how do you respond to that? You blow a fourth quarter lead to that backup QB in your own building. How do you respond from that? With yesterday's performance, the worst offensive effort in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. So I just rattled off, what, seven, eight performances, Jake, 
where and they should have responded with the utmost sense of urgency out of the after the Correct. first one after after that Raiders game after that performance where you blew that game late in your own building week 17 last year and yet it continues to be the same song and dance of nothing out of the gate nothing in the scripted portion of the game the halftime deficits no leads after the third quarter if I look at all that evidence, how can Jim Mersey look at Frank Reich right now and say, you are the man for this job? Kevin, I go back to, we talk so much about did Frank Reich lose the locker room. But I think it's worth asking, did the locker room lose Frank Reich? Is he in it? Is Frank Reich all chips in? Is he totally dedicated and committed at this point, or does he know he's dead man walking and he's like, you know what? I think the integrity he has as a human being is he's not half-assing it. Which I, I get that, is, but I mean, you can you can not half-ass it and still, in the back of your mind, have hesitation because you're just not comfortable with things around you. I, you know, is is it possible that there is a general manager that? His full investment or his full architecture is not able to be on display because an owner is meddling and the coach is unhappy with that. And now all of a sudden, you just have all kinds of stuff floating out there and it's a disaster. I, I don't know, but I'm just saying I, those are theories we can go with, or we can simply go by facts of what I saw yesterday, which was an offensive line, which is the area that I was told was going to be the very first thing addressed, solidified, and that we wouldn't have to worry about. That is the highest paid in the NFL. That was a complete disaster and a joke. Totally embarrassing. Totally embarrassing. And that's the bigger names too. Not just not just Matt Pryor, who I am so impressed by the fact that he's been benched at three different positions, which is awesome. But Quentin Nelson. Where's Quentin Nelson? What happened to him? Was he celebrating too hard from Notre Dame's win the night before? Gosh, I hope. What a great effort by the Notre Dame O line. The Notre Dame O line. I thought Clemson's D line is supposed to be good. They are. And they got absolutely manhandled. Clemson desperately, by the way, misses Brent Venables, their defensive coordinator. But but do you want to practice cheer cheer for oh i have Notre Dame. i mean I'll, I'll do it whenever okay what are we thinking a little later in the eight o'clock hour whatever yeah, mark um let's begin our calls matthew is with us good morning matthew matthew yes what's up hey how's it going guys good man how are um, you uh pretty good um with the circumstances um i think this all falls on, I think Ursay needs to tie them both to the hip. Ballard and Reich need to go together. Ballard decided to pay Moali Cox the same amount of money the Giants are paying Mark Lewinsky. The Giants are running the ball, the Colts are not. If you would have kept four out of your five offensive linemen who led the league in rushing last year, and you could have started a left tackle at rook, a rookie left tackle, that's one thing. You got to get rid of Frank Reich because he gets daddied every time he plays a coach that seems like he knows what he's doing. A Belichick, a Vrabel. Get. We need a new culture. We need a smash mouth, punch you in the face kind of coach. Not this passive. Oh, it falls on me. I'm. I put everybody in the bad spot. Kind of coach. Someone who will take accountability. Someone who will punch someone in the mouth if need be, like as everyone says, a meathead, a Mike Vrabel style coach. 
Thank you, Matthew. I agree. Tied at the hip, certainly. Um, to the point about Allie Cox and Glowinski contract. Jake, in March and April, that is your time in the offseason where veteran free agents, guys that have produced at some level in the NFL, are available. Chris Bauer did not make one move on the O-line, one move at tight end, one move at wide receiver. Your support for Matt Ryan included none of those positions. And now you have the worst scoring offense in the NFL. Uh, speaking of the wideout position, you know, if I'm not mistaken, there was simply, or, or there were there were plenty of chances for Chris Ballard to be aware that the fact that people wanted the wideout position addressed, right? And to be fair, wideout has had a few more flashes than I thought they would. But, you know, Jake, I feel like I watch it every night or every week. And last night I'm watching Juju Smith-Schuster as a free agent addition for Kansas City, make the most important play of the game on the fourth down. Like, for a very reasonable price. Amari Cooper in Cleveland. Do you think that there's any chance that Chris Ballard still listens to this program? God, I would... Well, part of me says I would hope so, just because we'd like a ratings bump, but I would hope not. (laughs) Well, if so, you know what he's thinking to himself while he's driving in, right? Definitely made me think, and I mean, Bowen, every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of of, of uh, wideouts. <laughs> you know. I can't remember. What was the, the loaded question? Do you recall? Uh, maybe would T.Y. come back or something like that? That's what it was. Do you think T.Y. Hilton will play for the Colts this well, year? Maybe it was, what are your expectations for the season, which... That's a loaded question. Yep. <laughs> I think they've fallen short in that area. I, 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 mean, I think I've been lo- The good thing about that loaded one, like you built it up, it was pretty awesome. If I recall, I was like, actually, that wasn't a loaded question. It was a direct one. Is Two Way Hill going to play for you this year? It's going to rain. That's another loaded question. <laughs> What's up, Ryan? Hey guys, how, how you doing? doing? I'm doing all right. Oh, um, I just have a few things to say. Um, I don't care how this season goes. Um, they, they they can never win another game this year. Um, I'm, I'm probably in that population that will get season tickets next year. Um, I, I bleed blue, but I, I I hate bleeding it right now. <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get season tickets next year. I, I, I'm a football fanatic, good bad. I just want to see my team go out there and put out a product. And 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 secondly, I think we took that all chips in um, quote. A little, a little sideways. When I think of all chips in, I think of you're putting everything in the middle of the table, no matter how it goes, win, lose, or draw. You're putting everything in, and and, and you'll you'll deal with you'll deal with it on the back end. You know, if you lose, all, you lost everything. You know, so well that's what I'm saying though, Ray. Is like the chips they pushed. I agree with that's what he meant, but the push they chipped in, the the chips they pushed in, wasn't a very good hand. Yeah, Ursa meant, and again, I, I know the phrase sounded, Ursa meant all chips in, we need everyone invested from day one, didn't feel like guys, spring offseason program-wise, were fully committed, those sorts of things. And I think it was the, it was another shot at Carson Wentz. Totally. That's, that's definitely what it was, right? Yeah, it was not, we're going to spend every single dollar we have, we're going to trade no. future draft picks galore to try and make short-term fixes, that... That was not what Ursay meant. Obviously, when you say that phrase, um, you open yourself Here's up. Here's the to thing, it. and I, I commend Ray 
on both his honesty and his loyalty. And I don't mean this to be, you know, defiant at all. People ain't turning in their season tickets. The Colts know that. They're not. Because because everybody knows if you, the second that you not that you decline on renewal of your season tickets you go to the back of the line and people are like i don't know though man like if you know i've had some good times down there i don't want to miss out. the fear the colts are banking on your fear of missing out people can say all they want that's it i'm not i'm not renewing my season ticket. they can say that all they want that ain't happening and you know what? If people want to continue to go, that's fine, Jake. Like if you, if you're right. looking forward to that three hour experience every single week, you know, hang with your friends, and you know, drink a few beers, whatever, on a Sunday afternoon. You want to watch the undefeated Eagles come to town a week from Sunday, Monday night football. I, I'm I'm all for that. Um, I do think we have heard from you know a small percentage of the fan base where they have made those purchases, and now based off the product, they're willing to give them to people that. You know, might have more of an experienced desire to go to the game than necessarily going there to watch the product. I just, when people, you know, you hear that all the time, well, the season ticket holders are going to come. No, they're not. They might not go physically. But you've already paid for your tickets. They've already been purchased. And, and you're going you're to purchase them again next year. What's up, Willie? How you guys doing this morning? Good, man. How are you? Good. So I am the complete opposite of the last guy that called in. After we got swept by Tennessee, uh, it just so happened that was the opt-out time with the Colts, and I decided to opt out. And whenever my uh, season ticket guy called me to find out what was going on, I just plainly told him, look, man, I have to drive three hours on game day. I spend, you know, probably two to 500 bucks every time I go, and I have no say-so on who you draft, who you hire, who you fire, personnel, playing calling, play calling. I have no say-so. But there's one thing that I can do to send a message to you guys that this crap ain't working, and that's with money. So I opted out in hopes that me and several other people are doing the same thing so they can get a clear message that I'm tired of this crap. I commend it, Willie. I do. I mean, I, unfortunately, not unfortunately, I guess, but I do think you're in the minority. Um, I, I commend it. I do. I'm I think surprised there's more of those people than you think. You think so? Yeah, I do. But here's the thing. Aren't there people waiting to replace them? I'm not trying to hedge, but I'm saying, you know what I mean? I mean, certainly not the list that it, Jim Mercy's used to seeing. I never thought that waiting list. I always thought that was a, a fabrication, by the way. Remember back the season ticket waiting list? Oh, there's a waiting list for season tickets. Do you know anybody that was on a waiting list for season tickets ever that's not in Green Bay? Imagine... Packers suck. Imagine going up to Frank Reich yesterday before the game and saying, your defense is going to hold New England to their fewest yards per play in 12 years. 12 years. And you're going to lose by 23 points. Well, if you'd have said to him, you're not going to convert a single third or fourth down in the entire game, <laughs> then he probably would have figured that part out, right? It's just these historic, like, I don't even think anomaly, I guess anomaly might be the right word. These historic notes, week in and week out with the Colts. So, Kevin, let me ask you this. You, 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 I mean, you've been around this pretty intricately or on the inside for a while. The, the floor is yours here to answer this question. 
the problem with the Colts is what? I think it's a lack of accountability from the top down. You know, I've said this before, Jake. I'll never forget getting that email last year at training camp when Jim Mercer gave the contract extensions to Chris Bauer and Frank Reich, and I just laughed. Just laughed. That the product and the results that they had produced in their first four or five years on the job deserved contract extensions saved for Kansas City personnel, Buffalo personnel, you know, insert whoever else have been perennial division winners, playoff running teams over the last four or five years. And that, to me, sent the entire message that I needed to know. The so Colts, I, I think it's a lack of accountability. Um, and then if you want to get in the intricacies of Ballard and Reich, we can get deeper into that. But I would say a stubbornness from Chris Bauer to believe that his roster-building philosophy is the end-all, be-all, and you don't have adjustments or tweaks to that. Um and then with Frank Reich right now, it's just an offensive product that has got incredibly, incredibly stale. Again, I don't think he's working with the greatest ingredients, but at some point, you need your coach, similar to like quarterback. Like at some point, you need your quarterback to kind of lift these sinking ships around you, the positions around you. You need that with your coach and with your play caller at times. You see that with Tennessee. Don't tell me Tennessee has a top 10 roster in the NFL. They definitely do not, and they certainly don't right now with the injuries. But yet Mike Vrabel has established something to where kind of the sum of all parts can lift it, and I don't feel like the the Colts have that advantage at head coach. I mean, Tennessee just has like a nastiness about them, right? Like kind of a bulldog mentality. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, the Colts Colts bulldog, who is the nastiest Colt heading into the year? Probably Quentin Nelson, right? Or Shaquille Leonard. Shaquille Leonard's hurt. Fine. What about Grover? Grover's a really good player, but do you think of him as like a nasty, just like a bulldog? No, not, not off the field, but on the field. Good player, for sure. But I'm telling you, like, Quentin Nelson, I mean, I don't know what's happened. Did he just get the pay? To, is Quentin Nelson like the John Wall of the NFL? He got his check and was like, all right, cool. I'm good. Yeah, Nelson Kelly, Braden John Smith. John Walsh probably unfair. He got hurt, but Nelson Kelly, Braden Smith, none of them living up to the con. I thought Braden Smith in particular. Again, this is just coaching. Yesterday was coaching one hundred and one by Belichick. My best player, Matthew Judon, leads the league in sacks. Okay, let's game plan for the Colts. Let me look at the Colts personnel. Wow, Matt Pryor. Okay. He still starts for them? Oh, boy, this ought to be fun. Let's get into obvious passing situations, and let's stunt Matthew Judon right at Matt Pryor because I know Braden Smith has struggled with stunts throughout his career, and so they're going to think my best rusher off the edge is going to come off the edge at Braden Smith. We're going to have a little delayed stunt. Sam Ellinger is a first-time road starter at quarterback. He's going to think he's got a lane through whatever, the B-gap, etc., to run through, and we're going to feast. It's exactly what Belichick thought and executed to a T. Uh, hey, Jake, we all know what Ursay meant by all chips in. He wanted everybody vaccinated. I think that was an issue with Carson Wentz for certain, but that's not what that was all about because there are other players that are still on the roster that are not vaccinated. So I, I get the point there or the spirit of the text, but... Um, I just think that, that what you said, Kevin, I think that, that Ursay was saying we want players who are dedicated to giving everything they have to to commit to this franchise. And fine. 
that clearly is not enough. Because if that's what you have right now on that roster, that's not enough. Because they're not good enough. He's Jay Quay. I'm Kevin Bowen. Uh, Kevin Quay right here on a beautiful start to this Monday morning. Jeff Saturday going to join us in about an hour. Let's hit a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You know what? I'm actually going to begin with college basketball because things get underway tonight. Here we go. New Orleans and Butler at 6.30. Purdue-Fort Wayne taking on Michigan. That's also a 6.30 start. It's Earlham and Ball State at 7 o'clock. Moorhead State and 13th-ranked Indiana getting underway at 7. Green Bay and Indiana State also at 7. Valpo and Toledo, IUPUI and Iowa State, Southern Indiana and Missouri, Evansville and Miami of Ohio, that game at 8.30. Those are all the state games as college basketball gets underway. You have every single top 25 team in action tonight. Purdue will play tomorrow night as they get their season underway. Um, Also tonight will be the Pacers, 7.45 the tip. Scotty was texting us earlier. let me, let me pull this up. The NBA is, I think, a free league pass experience tonight. Am I seeing that right? I think that's right. Yeah, that's what he was hinting at. NBA yeah. is launching live streaming on its app tonight. You can watch all of tonight's games for free. You'll need to pay to watch it. I don't know why. What, I hit what that. are we doing here? I don't know. Mark? I got excited for the free trials. <laughs> got very excited. <laughs> that was wild. You'll need to pay to watch after today. I don't know if it's for the long. We get another swoosh just for the sake of. Thank you. Yes! Uh, Seven forty-five. Pacers and Pelicans tonight. A four-game home stand here for the Pacers. They beat the Heat on Friday night. Andrew Nemhard terrific late in that game. Uh, Benedict Mather and Tyrese Halliburton continue to impress. They got some good young players. There's no doubt about it. Now, Mark, now you wanted to get. Yeah, yeah. I'm not ready now. Uh, Yesterday in the National Football League, some of the games of note. It was the Miami Dolphins, 35-32 over the Bears. Bears at three and six, but kind of showing a little life to be honest with you. Jacksonville over the Raiders, 27-20. Detroit over Green Bay. The fighting Motmans 15-9 as Aaron Rodgers looks completely washed. Last night, Kansas City over the Chiefs, or not over the Chiefs, the Chiefs over the Titans, 2017. But let's talk about again the Colts. Um, Kevin, they were talking about it yesterday after an abysmal performance. Yeah, Frank Reich on the quarterback position, and if there needs to be another move there. Yes, everything gets evaluated, but to say, would we look at anything else? I, I can't say that right now. Um, have to go back and look. Like I said, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to look at anybody else right now. I just felt like I, I got to do a better job. Um, I got to do a better job. Okay. I, do we really need to see Nick Foles? No. I, I mean, just play Ellinger. What does playing Nick Foles aco- like accomplish? Zero. Z- zero. Nothing. None. You're not going to all of a sudden go on like a six-game winning streak. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just going to keep harping on this. I, I love it because it just it, it reminds me of – now I'm thinking of the mid-90s. Like, I don't know. Do we need to see Browning Nagel? You know, I mean, we, we saw what Paul Justin could do, but, like, let's just stick with Justin. Do we need to – maybe maybe Browning Nagel is the answer. I'm not sure, but, you know, Craig Erickson just didn't get it done. I love it. All chips. And Hell yes. That sound you hear in the background is a DeLorean. 1.21 gigawatts. Back to 1985, baby. I love it. We'll continue to take your calls again. Jeff Saturday joins us in an hour. Kevin and Corey. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate 
from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. Jake, I got this from someone that works in the cold season uh, in their ticket office saying uh, we lose 5 to 10% of season ticket members every year regardless of reason. Had our highest non-playoff renewal last year at 93 to 94%. Based on current projections, I can guess it would be closer to 90% this year. Yeah. But we did sell more and renew more this season than before since Peyton. Yep. I got no issue with people wanting to renew. Oh, well, no, I, I get it both ways, right? I mean, the I mean, experience of a Sunday afternoon, you're looking forward to something, you want to go watch, you know, opposing teams, and, you know, this year you see Patrick Mahomes for the first time ever in Lucas Oil Stadium. No, I think it's a tradition to a lot of people, right, to be able to go down Sundays. There's eight of them a year. Um, it's a it's kind of a part of the culture of Indianapolis now. I totally get it. I do think this. I think, Kevin, that when you put emotional investment, you know, it, it's interesting. Saturday night, I was at my buddy, a, a duo 50th birthday, Matt Churchman, Matt Mitchell. Happy 50th to both. And I was talking to a guy, Mike Gangstead, that I grew up with. And he said, you know, I just, for whatever reason, Jake, about five years ago, I just quit watching sports. I don't know why. I, I don't have anything against it. I just quit watching. But that was just emotionally invested too much. And I said, I understand that. And as, you know, Clemson's getting drubbed as it's happening. Um, and I'm kind of the same way where I, I think I detach a little bit the emotional investment, Kevin. But what I'm saying in all of that is this. There are people that have an emotional investment in their football team. And the Colts represent the city of Indianapolis, and Indianapolis has always been a city that's kind of had a chip on its shoulder or an inferiority complex of wanting to prove to people that we are, in fact, a legit great city. And we take a lot of pride in our city and what our city produces, and that includes our football team. And people feel like they have an emotional investment, and therefore there should be some return for that. But more so, this is a franchise in a league that is designed as a business to also make the fans have a financial stake in it. And people in this town have been asked not only to pay a lot for tickets, but also to pay a lot from a tax structure standpoint towards building a palace that we were told was going to be able to keep them viable and competitive year in and year out. And it's a wonderful facility and a place that people take a lot of pride in. But when you start dipping into people's wallets and you start taking dollars from them, even if they don't go to games, just when they go out to dinner based on their hospitality taxes and other such things, then you enter into an arena where people feel like they do have a part ownership or an an empowered say in what takes place with the franchise. And at the very least, what they expect is the expectation that the franchise is doing everything it can to deliver a great product. And so therefore, when you have an owner that appears to be making changes midway through the year and a quarterback that's making 17 and a half million to stand on the sidelines and a sweatshirt, I think he's making more than that, but, um, and you have, 
uh, a general manager that hasn't been heard from forever when things aren't going well and when things are going well and he goes on radio and television interviews is a little bit smug and condescending to people. All of it adds up to the point where people feel like, you know what, I deserve better than this. I've given my best effort to make it down to games, to park, to buy a hot dog, to pay the taxes, to do everything I can. All I ask is for a little bit in return and I think people today are disappointed, let down, wind out of the sails and a little bit PO'd because they feel like they love a team that isn't loving them back. And that's where we are. And I don't blame people for it. But I also understand why people want to continue that tradition of going. I mean, I watched Clemson get drubbed on Saturday night. Guess what I'm doing this weekend? I'm going down to watch Clemson. I, you know, I mean, I get it because I enjoy going to the game. I enjoy the atmosphere. Let's go to Mo. What's up, Mo? How much? Um, Jake, you hit it right on the head for me. Um, that that is everything. I you know I, I told you the last time I called in. I, uh, I fan since '61 and Colt fan and everything. And, and when the Colts moved from Baltimore to Indianapolis, I was I was upset because to me loyalty and 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 taking care of the people that 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 invest in you uh, is very important. And I and I, I I took care of that feeling by saying, well, the Colts Colts are now closer, and I can go watch him. Because in Baltimore, I could not from Northwest Ohio, so uh, that that worked for me, and and that's exactly what I feel like today. Is it's not getting back to me, and I don't know if that's right or wrong. Uh, I don't know if you should be that invested in a sports team, but I am. And you pick up um, your son you know, at Ball State. Do, do I have that correct, Mo? Yes, yes, I do, and and we talk all the time, and and it is it is our time together. And and we enjoy all that, you know. Yesterday, I I didn't think the game was. I didn't think we was going to win. I, I, I unfortunately because of all the things that have been going on. But I thought we would compete, I, and I was happy with that. I, I put on all my stuff, I, my hats, my shirt, shirts, and everything else, and all that. And and I lived. The bad thing is, I lived from the time that right before the game started and then I sat in my seat and sunk in and and, and everything went to that. It, it just down the drain. And, so and Mo, let me ask so you this. If the Colts don't win another game this year, which I don't think that's going to be the case, but let's just say hypothetical. We're speaking of hypotheticals here. If the Colts don't win another game this year, will you still have season tickets next year? Yeah, I, pr- I probably I, I probably will, Jake, because again, like you had stated, it's a for me, it's um, it's emotional. It, it, yeah, I came from a, a bad situation growing up, and and they represented to me everything that kind of was uh, got me out of being in a bad. And that's cool, and that that's what I mean, Mo. Like I think for a lot of people, I appreciate the call. For a lot of people, it is. I, I think Mo represents both sides of what I'm saying there. I, quite frankly, I, you know what I mean. I mean, I get it. It's it's a tradition. It's it's whatever to people, but they just feel like if they're putting that much into it, that they just want to know that they're that that level of commitment is being reciprocated. And I think people this morning are questioning whether it is. Yeah, I mean, it's just part of fandom. I think it's a definition of what a fan is. Um, let's do our goat of the weekend uh, here on Kevin Corey. Who is the goat? That's what I'm talking about. That's why he's hitting me. That's why he's the goat. The goat. 
or GOAT <laughs> This guy sucks of the week. All right, Jake, where are you going for your GOAT of the week? So this is all-encompassing, or this is strictly for the Colts? You run with it wherever you want to go. Uh, I actually will. I'll tell you what. Um, I hate to knock on a college player, even though I do think that... You know what? Let me take that back. Um, DJ... Uyungale, who was the quarterback at Clemson, was the number one prize recruit coming out of high school. And, you know, he had a big fancy necklace and his dad went to the games. And there was all this talk when Trevor Lawrence was playing that he was going to be the next guy. I, I realize people here don't care about Clemson, but I think it represents where college athletics is going. And the fact that he he was almost even by his own bravada anointed as the great before he ever took to the field. And then when he took over that program, the NIL thing kicked in, and he's showing up, and he's dressed like a million bucks, and he had hundreds of thousands of dollars, apparently, in name, image, likeness stuff, and you got to back that up. And he's gone out, he's totally inconsistent, and when it mattered most for Clemson, when their season was on the line on Saturday night, he was flat-out awful. And so... Uh, you know, he's probably a nice kid. I don't know. I, but in, at times, he's been a good player. But he put himself in position to be scrutinized, and more so, I would say that it's unfair to put a college kid under that sort of scope and criticism, except for that when he is accepting the kind of money that he did from the name, image, likeness, then he is putting himself out there, and you got to deliver it. And too inconsistent. I'll stick with that game. I thought the Notre Dame offensive line was G-O-A-T, all caps. I was stunned by that performance, considering... You feel like you hear Clemson, oh, they've got, you know, three or four first round picks on their defensive line. And well, Notre they did Dame, last year. And, and Notre Dame can't throw it. Like, literally cannot throw the football down the field. And yet they absolutely bullied Clemson in the trenches. Over 200 yards rushing Audric Estime and Logan Diggs, each over 100 yards. So my GOAT from the week, all caps, would go to the Notre Dame offensive line. Here's what kills me Ray and Indy. Uh, did I already miss you rubbing the Irish win over Clemson in Jake Quarry's face? Uh, again, I totally get it if I was like the kind of fan that was like, dude, that's, that game's going to be a blowout. I, Clemson is a good team. They're not a great team. They're good. They're not great. And going into that, they had a lot of vulnerabilities where, I mean, they had flirted with disaster twice. They barely beat Syracuse. You know, they had games where they were down and out and came back and, and managed to kind of survive. You didn't think it'd be that ugly. I didn't. Nobody thought it'd be that ugly, right. but I, that I didn't think they'd win, though. I, I mean, Biggest my buddy, regular season loss for Clemson in eight years. My buddy Tony, who I go to games with down there, we had lunch on his way up. We had lunch in Carmel on Friday. And, I mean, he and I both, he was like, man, I don't know. He's like, if, if we can't throw the ball, we're in serious trouble. And I said, yeah, it's probably true. And... When that block punt happened, I just thought this has the makings of you could just tell that you know how sometimes you just watch a game and you can just tell the roof's about to collapse. And you can just tell it's like this is gonna be one of those games where just nothing goes their way. Rub it. And it's been a long time, admittedly, since um Clemson's been on that end of it. But I've seen Clemson, you know, I mean I've enjoyed enough games on the other side of it where, you know, you just go, hey, you know what? Won their day. And they got mauled on the offensive line. No I'm question. I'm going to test out those Jake Corey vocals, I think, coming up here next. 
I, again, I, I don't remember. A, can we play the audio of that where we agreed on that bet? Uh, this is a definite gentleman's agreement. <laughs> Loser sings the fight song on Monday. Okay. I remember it. you were saying Clemson doesn't have words to their fight song. So I, was, I, was I don't think, think they do. It. I, was, I was reading it like a children's book. Remember? Yeah. Reading the lyrics. All right. Let's all gather around the fire with Uncle Mark Dykton yeah. here as we read the Clemson fight song. Notre Dame. I mean, it's a beautiful fight song. I can't wait. This will be a nice start. I had the, you know, and does this ever happen to you in notes where, like, I have it here because I made the lyrics to myself, and then when I click it, nothing's there. Oh boy! Now I'm does feeling, that, no, but honestly, I'm like, some but you can no, you can see. I'll, I'll Is show the it, notes app the scapegoat. I'll show it right here. Marcus Brady. You can see that I have like a note there, but then when I click on it, nothing's there. So I'll, let me. Yeah, Let's I'll, get to Darren. I'll, I'll, I'll come up with it here. Darren, I want to talk a little Chris Bauer this morning. What's up, Darren? Did you say Darren or Derek? Oh, Derek, Darren. Sorry. Oh. Mm. Is it Derek or Darren? Derek. Derek, apologies. Oh, no problem. Um, I'm just calling about the season ticket holders. I got my 13-year-old son here. He's about to go to school, but um, I think the Colts are about to lose him as a fan. Um, you know, he was young when Andrew Luck was there and got excited all about it. He didn't see the Peyton years, so I think he's kind of getting apathetic uh, like I am. I'm trying to keep him on board. But as far as the season ticket holders, um, I've, I've had them for 10, 11 years, and back when Peyton was here, it was a pretty long list of, of season ticket holders waiting. I was actually on that list. I got my tickets because somebody else was um, financially strapped and couldn't afford to keep getting them, so they they basically signed them over to me, and I've had them since. Uh, so, but I, I want to keep them. I, I love going to the games. My two younger children still love going. My thirteen year old, I think we're starting to lose them, but um, they, they'll just keep recycling. People are always going to sign up. Um, Derek, do you care if the product is more entertaining? Or do, well, I guess would your thirteen-year-old be a little bit more invested? You think if they were losing games thirty-one twenty-eight? I don't think he's at that point. He because I talked to him now about it, and you know what my thoughts are on how the team was built and stuff. So he kind of understands now. I don't think them losing and scoring more points would keep him engaged. I think he just he wants them to win. He you know he used to seeing Andrew Luck and uh, winning and putting up big numbers and stuff and going to the playoffs. Do you care about we the product? Like, do I care about the product? Yeah, in terms of uh, entertainment value. Um, well, them scoring more points and losing will not make me care more about the product. I mean, like I said, I've been a Colts fan for a long time. I love the Colts. I, I want to see them win. But, uh, you know, like another caller said, uh, how much money he had to spend and driving and stuff like that. Uh, we, we moved to Fishers. It takes us longer to get there. Whatever they did to the traffic pattern is awful now. I used to be able to get in and out of there really quick. Um, we leave the house at 1130. We don't get home until probably 5 o'clock um, if we stay for an entire game uh, just because the parking and everything is just so terrible. So it kind of has reduced my love of going to the game uh, just in that respect. But um, I, I, I have season tickets in the club. You have to sign a three- or five-year contract. Regular season ticket holders, it's just year to year. They can drop off and then a couple of years later pick it back up. But since there's no waiting list, you can do that. I mean, you know, every year I get an email saying season tickets are available. You can go onto their website at your allotted time, and you can actually see what season tickets are available. Click on them by at that point. It didn't used to be like that. Hmm. It's a big investment. You, There's no Appreciate doubt about that. that. Um, let's get to Jeff. Let's get one more in here. Jeff, you want to talk about the offensive line? 
Yeah, I you know, here's my take on this. I got to take in a quick question if you have time. Here's my take. So I think that the whole issue, the whole problem is the offensive line. And I think that the problem with the offensive line has Ballard written all over it. I, I thought that Ballard should have been let go last year. Uh, I, I really do think that you, you could have any of these quarterbacks with a really good offensive line, and I think they would do well. I, 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 my only problem with Frank Wright, honestly and truly, is he's not a sock somebody in the mouth kind of guy. I, I think he's as nice of a guy and as good of a guy as you could ever, ever, ever want. And I think he's going to end up falling on the sword because of this. But I think had he had a good offensive line, I think, you know, we wouldn't have any of these these discussions right now. That That's my take on that. I do want to ask you a follow-up question real quick. If you have time, I would love to hear about the test at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with the new engine. I can't find anything online. I heard they had tents up. It was so secret, quiet, all of this stuff. I just wondered if you had any takes on that as well. Talk about a curveball. Fromber Valdez throwing a curveball at us there. Jake, can you hit that one? Uh, I hate to say this. I don't know anything about it. We'll look I, into it. I mean, I can lie if you wanted me to, but I, I honestly don't know anything about it. And that's not because I'm like trying to be secretive because I, I, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, Jeff, to your point about the offensive line, um, yeah, I've said this several times, Matt Pryor literally laughed when the Colts said, you're going to be our left tackle. He's like, what? what? <laughs> Are you sure? Left tackle? Full time? Does that not tell you everything you need to know? And then a right guard, you know, you didn't give real competition, I thought, at either spot in the offseason. I do know that they want another engine manufacturer, by the way. Um, And then I think, Jake, you've seen regression from the big three. Nelson, Kelly, Smith. I would say in order, um, it probably goes Kelly, Nelson, Smith in terms of what they're making and the result. How much of Kelly's regression is affecting Nelson? Or vice versa. I, 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 not as much as I think people bring that up. I mean, just watch some of these individual matchups. They're just getting their ass kicked. Yeah. Well, Nelson's having play. I mean, there was a play yesterday. I'm sure you saw it. I mean, the clip kind of went viral where like he, he literally looked like it was like the Three Stooges. Like he was like, boop, 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 like you know, like looking around. Like what just happened? I like. Now that sounded like Do Re Mi. That sounded like you were getting ready for your singing. The Three Stooges, right there. Can you do that again? Was that? Were you warming up the vocals? Boop, 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 boop. Sounded pretty. I'm a good, very right? good singer. I'm a good whistler too. Jake Query, tenor, falsetto. What are you doing here? <laughs> Look at this, Mark. We gotta do this next. All right. All right, let's do it. Now, are you going with a lyric song? Are you trying to help him out here? I mean, I think we just let him roll. He said he had lyrics. I, I do. You, did you write him yourself? No, I yeah, typed him out. Better over there. I typed him oh, out. Okay. <laughs> Jake Query next, some vocals, Notre Dame fight song. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam. 
I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. 35 to 14 Saturday night in South Bend. Jake Query's got it. Is the notes app working or did you go pen and paper it. during yep. the break? I got it. How about when Dabo Sweeney decided to go to the freshman quarterback to try to get a jump start? Boy, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Gosh, man. That didn't work out too well. It worked out well when they played him when they played Syracuse, but it did not work out well yesterday. Yeah, that freshman corner, Benjamin Morrison, a big one for Notre Dame on Saturday night. Jake Query, the good sport that he is, right here, Mark Dykton. Cue it up. This would be the Notre Dame fight song with Jake's extremely, extremely That's right. dulcet tones. Here we go. Hail, hail to old Notre Dame without a title since 88. Haven't won one in Kevin's life. Lay down a beat down, no need they won for strife. Jake baby. had said that Clemson, no, they did not. Jake had said that Clemson would lose. Didn't expect that kind of cruise. Likely spared me December pain. Not like when Clemson won in the rain. Irish O line lay down the wood. Clemson's not great, but still pretty good. Nice game, 35 to 14. Notre Dame, the block punt right then. I knew it was over. So there you go. That's pathetic. Yeah, well. In my opinion, that sucked <laughs> you. 89, they did not win the national title, buddy. Right? January 89. Well, okay, the 88 season. Boo. I, that dawned on me, though. They've not won one in your lifetime? No, of course not. That is amazing, quite frankly. Listen, that. Are you going spin cycle here to try and take it off the Saturday night to go back to the history of No, I, I do think, to be honest with you, Kidding aside, I, I do think that the Clemson run is... Pro- I, I don't think it's over for Alabama. I do think it's over for Clemson, partially because, you know, Dabo Sweeney's been so opposed to or outspoken against, like, the transfer portal and the name image likeness. I, look, that's the reality of college football today. And in that game, I don't know why this is, but Notre Dame was ready to play, and Clemson was not when they were leaving the field at the half Clemson was like walking off the field and Notre Dame looked like they just won the national title and they were ready for more and coming out the second half to start it I'm like if they don't get jump started here on their offense they're in trouble and you know that was a that was a pathetic performance by Clemson but you can't that wasn't about Clemson's pathetic performance that was about Notre Dame Looking, I mean, Notre Dame looked really, really good, and their offensive line absolutely dominated that game. And that the way they ran the ball, you just knew once Clemson was down 14, it was over because they couldn't stop Notre Dame from chewing clock. It was a great performance from Notre Dame, no doubt about it. Mark, they took on the, the demeanor of their coach. Mark, will you rank these embarrassing performances from the weekend? Clemson, in general? Colts offense? Or Jake right there. <laughs> I mean, I think Jake is getting third just by default. The Colts offense was really bad. That was number one. Clemson number two. But the the difference if it was between any other day he would he would the difference between the Colts and Notre Dame or the Colts and Clemson, I should say, 
is that at least Clemson was going up against a formidable opponent. I mean, the Colts were going into New England. It's not well, like Notre Dame. Tell out to Marshall and Stanford. No, but it's but what I'm saying is at least you know Notre Dame won that game, right? I mean, they went in there and they punched Clemson in the mouth and just said like they set the tone and they were nasty and they won the game. The New England didn't do that to the Colts. The Colts did it to themselves. The Colts were anemic, they were lost, they were heartless, they were gutless, they were effortless, they were motionless, and they were terrible. Need to do our fan tweet of the game. Jeff Saturday going to join us at 9.30. Kevin Aquari. Let's see what's on TV. It's a three-point Indiana lead. Robinson drives it out of the right corner and from nowhere. Jackson from the weak side recycles the driving layup. This leads to an Indiana break and Matherin hits a three from out on the right edge of the arc. Down 21, fourth quarter. DJ is picked off, intercepted again by Benjamin Morrison. Here goes Morrison down the sideline. Ellinger pump fakes, and again he takes a sack. The rivalry is back on for Matt. This is going to be his fifth punt. So far today, averaging only 39 yards per punt. Marcus Jones back deep to receive, and it's blocked. It's blocked by the Patriots. They scoop it up inside the 10, and they're knocked down around the two-yard line. This sucks. I'd rather watch paint dry. My house is on. Yeah, let's do what else. Where's the TV guy? Shotgun snap for Henry. He's going to pass. Looking left side into the end zone, and it's hauled in. One-handed grab is made by Ramondre Stevenson. Oh, God! Somebody do something! Why are they doing this? I certainly did not anticipate today. The rivalry is back on. Has that ever been... I I was talking yesterday with somebody about this. If you use a... Well, Kevin, for you, we'll use Notre Dame football. In my case, I'll use Indiana basketball. Notre Dame football, you know, Miami was probably a rival for them like when they were at their apex, right? I, I'm, I mean, they've had a lot of apexes, but in the, in the Lou Holtz era, okay? Miami's certainly not at one now. Right. But like Miami might say that about Notre Dame still, right? Like when they play, you know, for Indiana basketball, for example, when I was in college coming off of, you know, Knight's last final four year in 92, you know, the Fab Five was a big thing. Indiana-Michigan was a big rivalry. But if you were to ask an Indiana basketball fan, the, the biggest rivals are Kentucky and Purdue. It's like Michigan and Ohio State when they had Jim Jackson. I mean, those were they, there were some great rivalry years there, but they're not necessarily like long-standing rivals. Indiana basketball is probably a bigger rival to Michigan or Ohio State than Michigan or Ohio State is to Indiana. And the Colts are like that to the Patriots, are they not? Like, we can sit here and say, like, the Chris Ballard could tell me till the cows come home, the rivalry's back on because Josh McDaniels spurned him and he was embarrassed by it and had egg on his face. But if you're the Patriots, you're like, yeah, the Colts are just one of the uh, of a handful of teams that we had to go through to become the most dominant franchise in the NFL, right? The rivalry is back on. You've what, what, like one of your last... Ten meetings against them, yeah. And I mean, gotten your ass kicked in ninety percent of them. So yeah, I mean, there's no rivalry whatsoever in the Foxborough area. We talked about it with Mike Reese on 
on Friday. Remember, he was like, well, all the AFC East teams. Uh, then you probably go to Pittsburgh. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, the Colts are nowhere near. Colts barely cracked the top 10 yeah, on that list. Yeah. I'm like, oh, there's only 31 other teams in the league, Mike. But Houston Oilers. <laughs> yeah, I think he was... Uh, <laughs> He was right on that. And to that point, Jake, I think that's what adds to the venom for Jim Irsay, or should add to that embarrassment yesterday of um, your worst offensive output in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. My brother was born in 1984. Always obviously associate that with the Colts moving here. My brother's what, 38 years old? 30, yeah. 38 years. Yesterday, the worst offensive output. No snow, no rain. Wasn't some, you know, unbelievable what. Weather conditions. They had more. Remember the game in Buffalo a few years ago where Frank Gore ran it like 75 yeah. times in that game? Yep. The Colts had more yards per play in that game. You know what's sad to me, yesterday. Kevin? What is sad to me is this. When I first started watching football, 1978, okay? I was in kindergarten. I was a Steelers fan. I got a poster of Mean Joe Green. And. In the poster, he is sacking Burt Jones of the Baltimore Colts. And I remember asking my dad, like, well, who is that team? Who's the other team there? And he said, well, that's the Baltimore Colts. I said, well, I've never, do they still play? Because they were never on television. They were terrible. They were literally an afterthought in the NFL. I mean, granted, it was a different era because you didn't have, you know, you only had two games per week, whatever, but... You know, I knew about the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Oilers and the Raiders and the Cowboys and the Steelers. I knew about all those teams. I didn't hear anything about the Baltimore Colts. I knew nothing about them. And then I got to thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what? The Indianapolis Colts are, to today's introduction football fan, outside of Indianapolis, what the Baltimore Colts were. If you're a kid, you're a six-year-old kid that's finally starting to watch football for the first time that lives in Birmingham, Alabama, or Austin, Texas. Well, Austin, you probably see because of Ellinger. But, like, do you even know about the Colts? Like, if you were watching Red Zone exclusively yesterday, you saw the Colts maybe twice. And that leads to, by the way, one of my favorite tweets from yesterday. Oh. Oh. Look at you. That. Look at you with the little Chewing transition. How about that? Under the weather, Jordan flu game here. Uh, <laughs> fan tweet of the day. Do we? Sorry, Mark. I no, yeah. Do you have a sounder, no. or are we yeah, just going we go. right into it? Okay, so yeah. per usual, Mark Dykton sends out a tweet just after the final gun and says, in five words or less, describe the Colts' performance. Jake, your favorite. Um, I have a couple here. Brian Taylor. Colts not on red zone today. <laughs> That's 100% accurate. I think I saw them maybe twice. This from Captain James, which is a not really his name, but uh, indifferent, mowed lawn during second half. That's probably more than five words, but I think there are a lot of people with that, right? Leaf, leaf time after halftime. Uh, Chris, and this was my favorite. Like I said, man, I love the fact that we're going back in time. Count on losing this Sunday. Uh, T-Fez, Colts lose to Indy Weather. Andy. 80s Colts are back. Hell yes, Andy. Jason, just don't care anymore. And I love this one from Rob. Awaiting Ellinger's retirement speech. I like that one, too. <laughs> there were some moments yesterday I'm like, oh my gosh, he's about ready to get just pummeled. Uh, a few ones for me. Randy, college basketball starts Monday. What do we got? Indiana Butler tonight, is that correct? Purdue tomorrow. My Irish on Thursday. You've got tonight, by the way, since you asked, New Orleans, New Orleans and Butler at 6.30. That's an early tip, right? 
Uh, Purdue, Fort Wayne, and Michigan at 6.30. Indiana and Moorhead State at 7 o'clock. Ball State and Earlham at 7 o'clock. Ryan, Marcus Brady, not the problem. <coughs> Sammy, Indianapolis is on the clock. That's a good one. Jake, you're going to have to start dialing up NFL Tankathon. <laughs> Travis said uh, Colts raised the clown mask. Uh, J. Adam Allman says, Nelson, we need our money back. Big Maple Fan Club, no luck, just suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a solid one. That's good. Is uh, it yak for young? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Lay down, or someone said die for Bry for Bryce. Oh boy. Yeah, that's a little aggressive, but. No, I'm not a, I'm not about said city on IR, interest removed. That was a solid one, too, I thought. The Greek Cowboy, try Ursay's dog at left tackle. A uh, Drake. Drake would be a good. Yeah. Lo- he could probably handle speed rushers. I don't know about the power rushers. <laughs> like I said, Drake's got a long leash. Uh, Matt, and how about this? Follow me here. Now, again, this is not Matt Pryor. This is Matt, the listener. But he spells Pryor like you'd spell Matt Pryor's last name. Pryor experience ruins Colt's scheme. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's solid. By the way, the latest mock draft for the NFL. What are the Colts? So they got to be around 7, 8, somewhere around there? 14th. That low? Yes. Is that updated though? Because I was trying to look at that yesterday, and I, okay, I let me see. Thought that they were some. There were some very. I mean, it's got wins. their record. Well, okay. They only have three wins. Could this be right on all of these records? What's the Rams' record? Well, the Rams fell to what three and f- okay. five. So the, the 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 Texans are one six and one. Then Carolina, then Vegas, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Jacksonville, Arizona, Chicago, Green Bay. Um, Philadelphia, Seattle, Philadelphia is via trade, Seattle via trade, Detroit via trade, Houston via trade, and then Indianapolis, 14th. I guess the one advantage the Colts have would be they've played an extra game than uh, probably not half the league, but a decent amount. The Colts imagine, have another bye week. Imagine though this, this season sucks so bad and you still don't have a top 10 pick because <laughs> cool. there's so much parity in the league. Oh my goodness! We have the uh, the tankathon here. No, who it says right now? They're ta- what, what, what's that? We're going NFL tankathon. I'm not ready. For I can't that. do a Roger Goodell though. I can do my David Stern. Can I do David Stern if he was doing the NFL? Jr. Play like dung for Bryce Young. <laughs> that's a solid one. That's that a good is one. so good. I think that's the best one I've heard. That is so good. Bryce Young may have going number one over. Oh no, no. C.J. Stroud number one overall. Bryce Young would be second. I think. Right, go Young ahead and do your David Stroud. Stern slash Roger, Roger Goodell, whatever you want to do. Okay, here we go. Well, if I'm Roger Goodell, I'm up here hugging people, and I've got some long intro and whatever gar- else. Where's your jar of like jelly beans or whatever you had during the 2020 right. draft? With the 14th pick in the 2023 NFL mock draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Michael Mayer, tight end from Notre Dame, University of Notre Dame. Boy, tight wow. end is your biggest issue. <laughs> well, tight end oh, yesterday, boy. Jelani Woods, a couple drops, Skylon Granson. Yeah, you don't think a veteran tight end would help? Well, with all the holes, if you're going tight end in the first round, oh uh, boy. Yeah, again, oh boy. not in the first round. Obviously. Well, the next quarterback they have going would be Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee at 24th. That Georgia defensive performance on Saturday boy. was special. Yeah, Georgia's pretty good. Uh, let's get back to the calls. Mark, you said Jonathan? Yep. Hey, Jonathan, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for calling. Yeah, uh, I'm just calling regarding, I just think their team is, I'm a season ticket holder, too. Um, ever since Frank Wright's first year and he did not pick his coaching staff, they have sucked ever since. 
They're, they're too soft. They're, they're too soft. They pick on the, like you said earlier, players pick up the attitude of the coach. Frank Wright is soft. The whole team is soft. They don't want to play. So, and if you look at it, every coach that he had from the original, they're head coaches from Josh McDaniels. You're referencing Sirianni and Iberflus, I guess, would be the other two that Jonathan is referencing there. I I go back to, again, the results. Jake, this is not a one-game trend. You know, this is not a or one-game outlier, I should say. We are now reaching the point of, you know, 11 straight games without an opening possession score. These 11 straight games without a halftime lead. I mean, think about that. 11 games? That's two-thirds of a season for... A head coach that is supposed to be this offensive whatever, guru, mind. That, to me, if you're Jim Irsay, how is that not a reflection of your football team right now is not responding to your head coach's message? I I, I don't know any other way to look at it. And as much as I want to believe NFL players should be self-motivated, and I think the collegiate game offers much more of a you-need-your-coach-to-be-this-kind-of-energy-giver at the NFL level, there's comes a point in time where the messages do get stale. And you look at the results right now. I think the results just speak to it more than anything. And we played the clip a few weeks ago at halftime when the Tennessee Titans had a lead over the Colts, and you would have thought Mike Frabel's Titans were down two scores with how he reacted to his football team. Whereas Frank Reich, and now the phrase I know has turned into a frequent Mark Dykton soundbite, and we have Matt Ryan. Like it, There's just no sense of accountability. And again, I, I point we to... We have Matt Ryan. Uh, above Frank Reich. I point to top down. And watching Vrabel last night, I felt the same way. Like, Tennessee is going to be in this game with Malik Willis and the inability to have really any semblance of a passing game. They are going to hang in there and they're going to have a chance to win this game at the end. On the road, backup quarterback, rookie quarterback at Arrowhead. I go back to one of these little like epiphanies I had earlier that now I'm just going to hold on to and not let go for dear life. I go back to, with all the conversation about has Frank Reich lost the, lock, the locker room, this is the first time I've seen a coach where I do truly wonder if the locker room actually lost Frank Reich and if he's invested or if he's like, he knows he's done and he's he's it's almost like he's wanting to be let go. I mean, how many games, like, Frank Reich literally looks and sounds like a guy that's going to start his next post-game press conference with, how many times do I have to say this before something is done? I'm telling you, I failed. I didn't prepare the team. What? How many more ways can I say, please relieve me of this hassle and headache? That's what it sounds like to me. Is this Rhode Island Mike? Yep. Rhode Island Mike, what's up? And sorry about yesterday. That's all right, man. Good morning, fellas. I uh, I just think as, as far as the product, you know, you guys keep talking about that. I'm not really buying it anymore. It's like bad pizza. I mean, how many times do you have to order pizza from a place and it's bad before you say, we've had enough? If, if Jim wants to hang a banner, it should be under new management. Um, that might get people back into Lucas Oil. I appreciate the diehard fandom of I'm still I'm still riding with this team, and, and so am I. I'm going to find a, a, a way to painfully get through these games, but man, is it bad. But so what you're saying is you are a great point. In fact, you're still ordering Mike is you're still ordering the bad pizza, though, right? I mean, even bad pizza is kind of good. We do love our (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really well said. I love it, Mike. 
I think there's all different types of fandom, Jake. Again, there are fans that they look forward to these Colts games three hours every week. That's the thing they look forward to. Win, lose, draw. I get it. Win by 30, lose by 30. And then there's also fans that are like, hey, let's lose out. Wait, 13th pick right now? For Michael Mayer from Notre Dame? <laughs> I don't want that. We need to lose out. You're playing the Raiders this weekend. The Raiders are 2-6. and six. You got to get above them in the standings. You're going to play the Texans the last game of the year. You got to get above them. Travis in the standings so I, I think that they're all and that's the beauty of fans they're all different types of fans said Travis Mark yeah Travis Travis what's up hey guys how's it going good man how are you doing good doing good uh yes uh just that uh that fight song that 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 was pretty good pretty good but uh that was pathetic. That was Don't awesome. Thank you, Travis. Travis. Travis thank you, Travis. Pitiful. Thank you. You look like Matt yeah. Pryor. We appreciate your sense of humor, Travis. Thank you. Yes. Uh, but uh, so I was listening, I think, a week ago about, you know, Sam Ellinger either has to be like the next Tom Brady or he has to be like terrible. So I, what, what do you guys think about like his performance? Like he, he like the, he, it's like a job interview, kind of like he needs to either be good or be bad. So. The problem is, Travis, that it's nothing you see from Ellinger means quarterback should be off the board. Nothing. I agree with that. At the same time, if they want to get an assessment of him, they got to give him some protection. Uh, yeah, but it, I thought even yesterday when he had moments, he didn't deliver. I thought he had some opportunities in the passing game to make throws, and obviously the O-line was the number one issue. I want to make that very clear. There were some drops. I want to make that clear as well. But, Jake, as I said earlier, the quarterback position, at some point in a game, you've got to lift those around you, and you're going to have moments. And Sam did have some chances yesterday. I didn't think he threw with anticipation very well. A couple moments where he had Pittman and Pierce um, just kind of on simple like comeback routes and... You've got to anticipate them being open, deliver that ball a little bit earlier. I thought he waited till they were actually open. And if you do that, you're going to allow a good defense like the Patriots to make plays on the ball. So um, Sam Ellinger, well, I thought was pretty good in the first game. I thought he was about as expected to be against Belichick in that first road start. How about the Josh McDaniels-Frank Reich Bowl that's pointed out to me? This has become a big-time sexy matchup now, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is this where Chris Bowers like, well, I didn't really want to hire either of them. Yeah, that's kind of awkward. Damn. Colts are what Colts Raiders are one of three like late game games. Yeah, four or five. So right? you'll, you'll get some Colts action on red zone, even if you don't want it this weekend. Saw the Raiders favored by five. I think it is early on. Raiders blew another 17-point lead yesterday. That's your Super Bowl team, Third, right? Correct. Raiders and Cowboys, my Super Bowl pick. Um, should be fun watching Devontae Adams go against the Colts' defense. That should be fun to watch. <laughs> Mark, you look angry. That's just, I mean, <laughs> you, think, you think Max Crosby will enjoy watching film of the Colts' O-line this week? I think so, sure. Chandler Jones, maybe? Mm-hmm. Good Lord, man. Darren Waller might actually show you up. You know, the, at this point, here's the thing. The biggest challenge for a defensive front right now facing the Colts is figuring out which area of weakness you want to exploit in your game plan. You know what I mean? You're like, I don't know which I don't know which route we want to go first. I just Who wants a sack? Who wants to raise your hand? Okay, you go get one now and then he's up next. <laughs> I know I've made this point a few times today, but like you're entering Sunday's matchup and New England has the leading sacker in the NFL in Matthew Judon. 
and we know what Belichick wants to do. Belichick, we've known it for decades. Like any great coach, what is the biggest weakness of my opponent? How do I expose it? Pretty clear Matt Pryor's been the biggest weakness for the Colts. And what does Belichick do? He stunts Matthew Judon right at Matt Pryor on every single third down there early in the game. And the result? Sam Ellinger on his ass. Like, is that not just like coaching 101? Belichick, chess, Reich, checkers? Hell, I don't even know if I call it chess. Like, was it some absurd thing that Belichick did, or is it just pretty elementary? Like, you know, hey, you know what? I should probably get my top sacker to rush at that right guard who has played three different spots this year. Frank Reich is playing chess. The problem is he's allowing, like, Judon, for example, to be the queen. You just go wherever you want. No, right? he's got. He, the problem is he's playing with all pawns. He doesn't have a queen. He doesn't have a king. He doesn't have a rook. So all these pawns oh, he's making got a, one he's move got at a, a time. He's got a, they're all playing like rooks. What yeah, are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Bernard Ryman. Uh, yeah. The rivalry is back on. Yeah, okay. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. 06, right? Is that keep, the last one? Keep talking? telling yourself that. I think leading into last year's win here, um, you had lost eight straight by an average of 18 points per game to New England. I'd like to know the last number one song. What was the number one song the last time the Colts won in New England? I'll look it up right now. Something Britney Spears related? <laughs> probably. Like maybe one more time, probably. 1998 <laughs> or something. Well, it was 2006, right? 2006, yeah. I don't know. Katy Perry? Ooh, uh, I can tell you right now. It was Moneymaker by Ludacris. There you Shake go. Shake your moneymaker? I, I guess. It was so long ago. Jeff Saturday at 8 minutes. Morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yesterday in the NFL, it was, we'll get to the Colts in a second, Chargers over the Falcons yesterday, Miami, the Bengals, the Lions, the Jags. How about the Jets, by the way? We haven't talked about the Jets at all upsetting Buffalo 2017. Is that even an upset? New England's or yeah, New, New York's an upset. Yeah, New York's got a defense, though, man. Yeah, it was a 10 point spread. I mean, New York's got a defense. Uh, Vikings over the Commanders 2017. Seattle, the surprise, also in the league 6 and 3 now after beating Arizona. Tampa over the Rams 16 13. The Chiefs over the Titans 2017. Tonight, Monday Night Football, it's Baltimore and the Saints. How about, I don't know. Probably no one in this market wants to hear it. How about Brady, late game? You saw what he came out and said. Opened up his press conference. Man, that was awesome. Effing awesome, right? Yeah, he mm-hmm. did say effing awesome, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Bucks beat the Rams there. Great one last night, Sunday Night Football. Chiefs over the Titans in overtime. Tonight, it'll be the Ravens and, and Saints um, from New Orleans. <laughs> we just said that. <laughs> I'm not the only one that does this. Thank you. Did you hear the swish? Thank you. I'm not the only one that's ever done it. I was adding a few more games to the <laughs> No, you game. weren't. You were repeating. Brady? Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Go take a walk. My, uh, Get your life in order. Am I losing it? Get your life in order, he said. Mark Dyke didn't fire him. Sorry my bears didn't choke it away yesterday. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. uh, you know what? Guess what? We're at least like boosting the draft stock and Justin Fields looks legit. Get your life in order. Get your life together. That was humbling. Get one win against Clemson. You're spouting off replays. Uh, Kevin's even wearing Notre Dame socks, by the way. Pacers tonight. I wear underwear, too. 745 against the Pelicans. Four and five on the air. Really nice win. Uh, You catching that heat action on Friday night? I did. 
Um, what did they say at the beginning of the year? We're going to have some games that they that they win, that you're going to get super excited about, and then probably other games where you're wondering what the heck's going on. But that was a big one. I think a topic we can get into later in the week, Buddy Heald. Um, is this a guy that you would think about maybe keeping around considering what he's doing? Or do you look at it and say, hey, his trade value is going to be through the roof. you got to move him. But uh, the Pacers, 4-5 and five on the year. Tonight, no Chris Duarte. He's out multiple weeks due to his ankle sprain. Um, it'll be Zion Williamson and the Pelicans inside of Gamebridge Field. Hey, Jake, did you catch any of that uh, heat action? <laughs> oh. Is it your turn now, too? Kevin Sterendag. Mark over here after playing 17 swooshes in the last... That's right. Okay. Yeah, you've had your Monday morning, too, Mark. Nine times. Uh, Dusty Nine Baker, times. World Series champ. Uh, I thought it was really cool. I don't know if you caught the final out. Watching the Astros celebrate with Dusty. I, I don't think I've ever seen a manager get that sort of reception yeah. from his team and his fellow coaches when they made the final. That was, you know, it's interesting because Saturday night you had, I'm trying to think of what the third thing was. You had Clemson, Notre Dame, you had the World Series. There was one other, what was Bama, the other game? LSU. Yeah, that was, so. That was a good one. Bama, LSU ended like literally with one out in the ninth in the World Series because then I flipped over to that, right, to see how that would end. Um, and how about LSU, by the way? I Has Brian Kelly, did you see Brian Kelly afterwards said, I'm just so happy that I'm able to restore the, the tradition of LSU, and I'm like, dude, they just won the title two years ago. And they've won a national title with each of the previous coaches. Yeah. Les Miles. Yeah, had, you're right. Had Orgeron. I'm like, you're acting like you're talking about Notre Dame here. Do you forget you're talking about LSU? But no, I, the credit to LSU for that win and for going forward on the two-point. Tony, that campus, man. They should be able to recruit down there. That campus is awesome. So who gets in the playoff? Ohio State. So Ohio State, Michigan, one of those, right? Yep. Georgia. Tennessee just needs to hold serve and they'll get in? I, I believe so. So you've got three right there. It, and then TCU or a Pac-12 school? Yeah, I mean, there's a... And I'm not saying this to, to be a homer at all. I, it, only if chaos... Is, I mean, it's going to be a one-loss team, right? So then it comes down to who has the, the least egregious one-loss. The fashion in which Clemson got blown off the field probably does rule them out. But I think Notre Dame's respected. I mean, Notre Dame's ranked 20th. But I would think if TCU holds serve, they're in, right? Yeah, undefeated right now. They got yeah. Texas, I think, coming up this Saturday. All right, Jeff, Saturday, next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, fam. I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. You know, watching that game yesterday, I had to think about our next guest and his thoughts. Uh, nine sacks given up by the Colts at this point of the season. That is now 35 sacks allowed. Um, eight games to go and already the most sacks allowed in the Frank Reich era. 
uh, the Colts offensive line right now. Some major, major issues. Jeff Saturday is with us right now. Jeff, just overall, uh, when you saw the pass protection breakdowns, um, certainly you know Sam Ellinger probably at fault for some of them, but just in general, sure. the play of the O-line, uh, what, what were your thoughts yesterday? Yeah, it's not good enough, right? I mean, like you, you know, you, you have these expectations of this line. <clears throat> they had shown some improvement, you know, and and uh, but man, just a, just a kind of a kind of a brutal game, uh, for lack of a better term. I mean, it just started off, you know, the very first one, and the Patriots kind of kept getting home, doing the same stuff, running a bunch of games and stunts, and um, just just getting it's it's very typical i mean they, they weren't rushing you know blitzing a lot of guys a lot of it was was the front four front three pushing the pocket and when you have a young quarterback like that if you make him hesitate you know that was that's always been the patriots kind of mo right is that you you make a move off his spot even if you're not sacking him if you make him move he's going to make mistakes and um and then they, they just so happened not only did they move him off the spot they hit him a whole bunch and got him and so they got to be disappointed man it's it's not good enough and the expectations of what um you know what this offensive line is supposed to be uh it just hasn't materialized what do you pin that on jeff in, in terms of the line itself is there is there one piece that is not is there one piston not firing and that's shutting down the whole engine or yeah, what do you? I, I don't know. I mean, you would know better than I. When you look at the line, you look at it and say the problem is right where. Yeah, well, I mean, you have so you have two two issues at hand, right? You have you have the left tackle spot where you're you're kind of trying to find a guy, and um, you know they've gone through prior. They've you know they, they've they've used Kelly and and uh, um, Raymond, you know, so like they, they've they've kind of gone through the. And you, so you're going to take growing pains. You know, if you're going to play a young a young player, it's it's gonna it's gonna be an area that you're going to have to be concerned with. Um, and then the right guard spot where they move prior over, they end up benching him. And I think Fries or some uh, one of those guys came in. Um, but when you have two on the on opposite sides of the line, it, there's just no good way of of protecting. You know, and so if if they're catching your edge or they're getting pressure on the right side, um, you know, there's a term. You know, we, we, and when I was playing, we called it turnstile. I've heard people say it's the donkey or whatever. It's it's everybody tries to line up on that on that guy and you know go put their best pass rush moves on that guy. The problem when you got two of them right now is is where do you send protection? Where do you send help? And and right now. Um, you know, they, they those guys are getting getting brought up. I'm surprised that they don't do a little more, um, you know, max protection. Uh, but uh, but in all honesty, some of those it it was you know heavy protection, and they still they still gave up protection uh, problems. So, man, I you know I wish um, I, yeah, I had better answers. But but your players got to play. You know, they got they got to play better, and that's um, you know that that that's on. That's on everybody, and and it's a frustrating spot to be in when you thought you kind of had the line uh, put together for for a heck of a run. Colts great. Jeff Saturday with us. He's recapping every Colts game this season. Um, Jeff, I want to stay on this for just a second. Um, When you bring up, you know, passing games and handling stunts, you mind, like, taking us kind of inside of the mind of an offensive lineman and how that operation goes. I mean, I'm watching Braden Smith and Matt Pryor, and basically Matthew Judon is lined up opposite Braden Smith, the right tackle, at the start of the snap, and he just has a slight delay. Next thing you know, he's going inside, and Matt Pryor thinks that he's 
you know, blocking the guy that all of a sudden is in front of Braden Smith, and next thing you know, Matthew Judon, the leading sacker in the NFL, is right in front of Sam Ellinger. How does that communication work Monday through Saturday, pre-snap, and yeah. then in the game? No, no, that's a great question. And so as you as you go through, um, you know, I, I can and I can tell you this because not only do I break them down all the time, but I played against them forever. You know, th- that is the that is the Patriots. Um, that's their style of rush, right? Since Belichick has been there, it's all what we call rubs, bumps, um, you know, hip checks. So what they're trying to do is it's a it's a te stunt. So the tackle, um, the guy who's sitting over prior is going to go towards. Uh, he's going to go towards Braden Smith, and then Judon is going to step towards Braden, hesitate, and then as that tackle hip checks uh, Braden, he's either going to try to ricochet or he's going to try to grab or pull prior and ricochet at the same time to take two for one as Judon comes in and and you know like you said comes free into the face of the quarterback, but. From a from an offensive perspective, you have to jump set that guy. The, the the three technique that's on the guard, extremely physical. The tackle has to sit down with his hand, be expecting a stunt because it's those are secondary moves, right? Is you have to be able to see it with your eyes, and then as Braden comes down, uh, Pryor has to slide off quickly or spin off if he's getting grabbed and stay in front of Judon. And it, you know it's not always going to be perfect. It looks ugly. Uh, there's there's nothing pretty about it, but it, you, you got you have to be uh, you got to be extremely stout in there. And once you get them stopped, it it becomes an easier rush in all honesty than just getting going one on one because they they have to stop and restart themselves. And so, uh, but it's something you have to practice efficiently. You have to be able to pass those. We call it snap off, where the hands of the guard have to like push like you're throwing a basketball really quickly, really powerfully to push that guy in front of the tackle and then be waiting on that. But um, there's no way it was a surprise. Like, I, you know, the O-line coach, Strausser, I, I know for a fact, he, he, he goes over those things. There's no way that those players were surprised by the Patriots doing it. They've been doing it dang near 25 years. So um, they just didn't execute. And that's that's got that's got to be the frustration uh, coming out of the day. Jeff, one of the things I appreciate about when you come on here is – if I'm totally off base on something, you'll say, look, man, you're, you're totally off base on that, right? So I, I'm going to present to you one, and I want you to tell me if I'm totally mm-hmm. off base. I, I I have a lot of respect, obviously, I think as anybody does, for Frank Reich as a guy and as, you know, as somebody over the course of his career as a player and as a coach. But he looks to me and sounds to me like a guy that is has exhausted all ends and has just kind of thrown his hands up. I mean, every week it's... Look, we, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't coach well enough. I didn't get him prepared enough, and I get the fact he's going to fall on the sword for his guys. But in any way, shape, or form, does he appear to you to be a coach who, I'm not going to say is mailing it in, but who knows that he's at the end of the leash? Yeah, I, yeah, he's definitely not a mail it in guy. So yeah, yeah, as, as far as you know where he sits and and the frustrating part, I'm assuming for for Frank is that. In the biggest moments, his his best players have not made the plays, and that's you know as a coach, you try to get your guys in the right spot to do the right thing. And so, as we all heap on, you know where what, what's going on with Frank, you know we, we have to be um, thoughtful of the other of the other guys as well. Because I I, mean, I can tell you, I mean even in the even in the Commanders game, you know. Um, 
you know, we have a we have a, a, a great play that that seventy eight snaps it early. You got one play where fifty six whiffs, and you know it's a it's a it's a tackle for a loss. Um, so there were things that happened, and, and the problem from a like you're saying from a coaching perspective is there ain't a whole lot of answers for that, right? Like uh, you know we we used to say it all the time, like you got to play above the X's and O's. You, you know, it, 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 you know when you're on a board, it all looks great, but when the the guy up front is is getting beat. Um, and, and again, now those two guys played, they actually played really well yesterday. Um, so, you know, but, but I'm just saying in general from a guy who continues to bring ideas to the table, um, that's got to be tough, you know, and I haven't been in his position, but I can't imagine that being, a, um, you know, an, an easy thing to keep going over. But, you know, they got to figure it out. They got to find a way and, you know, you you, you got to get the most out of your guys, and so I, I'm, I'm sure the frustration is at an all time high, and and uh, disappointment, you know, aligns with that. So, I, you know, I, I can't imagine where they're feeling today. Again, Jeff Saturday is with us. He joins us the day after every Colts game here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Jeff, I want to go back to the news item that kind of dominated last week: the firing of offense coordinator Marcus Brady. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but in your tenure, did you have many, if any, offensive coordinators that maybe weren't calling the plays on game no. day? So all of your offense coordinators called plays. When I, the only time I ever had that was when I was in Green Bay. When I was in Indy, all of our um, all of our coordinator, you know, it was it was Tom Moore right. who who was making the calls and and designed the game plan. Obviously, he and Peyton. Um, or whoever the quarterback was for the for the year he got banged up, but um, no, it was always him. When I went to Green Bay, McCarthy called the plays on the game, but um, they had uh, Tom was the was the um, was the coordinator, so he would just he would address meetings. He would go overall, you know, with the head coach. He can't be in all those meetings. He, he you know, he's he's doing a number of different things. And so, as the in, for install or for corrections, that 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 guy, that's what he's doing. He's going over, you know, whatever the corrections are that need to be made. What did we do well on this play? Was it a successful play? Minus who, you know, who has to improve? So he's doing those things. Um, you know, going over it. And so that, that was, that, that is his role. And so I'm assuming that was, you know, I, I had been to, yeah, I don't know how many practices with the Colts, but, um, you know, during practice, it's, it's Brady who's kind of doing, or it was, you know, Marcus and, 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 uh, Frank kind of together. And then on Sunday, I'm assuming they were in that same communication, but Frank's the guy ultimately calling it. So it's a, uh, I was shocked. I and mean, I said that last week, I was shocked that they, they let him go. Um, don't know the reason, you know, haven't, haven't asked Frank, like what was the thought process on it? Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a shocking move for me as well. Just from, just from the way the whole season has, has went through. Uh, and they may have addressed it in the Indian, I mean, the Indian media, I, I just, you know, with, with, we just, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it or followed up on it. Jeff, how mental is offensive line play. In other words, you know, there are certain, you know what I mean? Like when, 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 when you get beat on a play, how hard is it? And are are we witnessing that with a Quentin Nelson? Yeah. Is it in his head? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you, man, this, and this is, we talk about this all the time because of who I get to work with, you know, whether it be Ryan Clark or, um, you know, other DBs, the other defensive players that we all talk. So offensive line and, and defensive back are really the only two positions um, where you where you have to be at your best moving backwards, 
right? So like everything has to time up. You know, you when you know we we look. I love running the football, but the truth is is that you you know you have to throw it in today's game. And so when you're when you're going backwards and having to stop another man who's as large as you but faster than you getting to that guy that they think is as precious as, as diamonds or gold, you know, you're, the, the pressure is on. And so the, uh, it, you, you have to have a very short memory, no different than a, than a corner. You know, like we, we say it all the time, we can block 70 of 72 plays perfectly. You give up two sacks, bro, and you're a bum, right? Like you need to be fired and, and it's, you know, all, all is lost. And so, uh, yeah, it, it is a definite mental position. You have to be, you have to be reminded uh, of all the of all the things and the and the techniques that you have to use repeatedly because what happens is everything begins to speed up the 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 the, the, the pace of the game changes and all of a sudden your timing is off your punch and your feet are different so you might be leaning or you might be hedging it so they can see it so now they swipe or they stab your your chest with their long arm like all those things are happening and so when you come to the sideline that's that's where the staff gets down and goes, hey, man, you know, here's what you're seeing. You know, your, your feet are out of rhythm or your hands are out of rhythm, and here's what we have to have. But when you can't get yourself out of there, I have seen some of the best in the world just get minimized. And, and it is 100%, Jake, like thought process. Like I got to reset myself. I got to let this last one go. And when everything around you begins to fall it, it's it's even more the pressure you you start trying to do more right like you try to push the guy a little further and spin a little quicker and do and then you're taking yourself out of the game and I have seen that as well man like there's some plays where Q Nelson has a great set now you know pushes a guy off and then turns and tries to help somebody else and then spins back you know and He's doing all those things, but because you feel like the you know there, there's so many cracks in the dam, where you know how do I stop it? Type deal, right? And so that's that that's what has happened. And, and you're exactly right. It is a hundred percent, you know, mental fortitude is, is, is if it's not the key aspect, it's one of them. Thirty-five sacks through nine games is an astonishing number when you think back to the first four years of the Frank Reich. Era. Jeff, as always, we love your insight. Unfortunately, or I don't know, maybe fortunately, if you want to go glass half full, the biggest issue for the Colts this season is your expertise. So <laughs> we appreciate you uh, you providing that with us every every Monday. I appreciate it, fellas. Y'all have a great week. Jeff Saturday right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Jake, I think this is a good point from Joe, and it's a little bit bigger picture, but it's interesting to bring up. Uh, we're pretty much stuck with Reich for the rest of the season because there isn't another guy on staff with play-calling offensive coordinator experience, correct? Um, obviously, the firing of Marcus Brady. It's a good call. Who was calling plays at the CFL level. If I'm not mistaken, you have Scott Milanovich, the QB coach, who has done it at the CFL level, and I believe Scotty Montgomery did it in college. He is the running backs coach who is kind of now the coordinator in front of the media each week offensively. He's got a heavy RPO background. Um, so to your point, Joe, it would be pretty drastic if you were to fire Reich in terms of offensive, like, oh my gosh, we're scrambling to now fit kind of you know square pegs into round holes, if you will. Um, John Fox, Bubba Ventrone, those would probably be two names of an interim basis. I would Personally, if you're going to make that move, Bubba Ventrone, I don't need to see John Fox. Really? 
I'd I mean, rather, similar to quarterback. It, I don't. I don't uh, need to see look, Nick Foles at QB. If you're making that move, it's because the year's washed anyway, right? Yeah, but Bubba Ventrone, I think, is kind of a young name. Some people like Belichick loves him. I'd rather see him in the interim. It's kind of like quarterback. I, mean, I like for him because his name's Bubba, right? That's cool. Oh sure. Um, you know his real name? A street on the south side of Indianapolis. Uh, Thompson. Raymond. Okay. Thompson and Raymond is like an intersection that you always hear about, right? Yeah, I look uh, at interim coach like quarterback right now. No need to see Nick Foles. No, no, no need to see John Fox. Let me see Sam Ellinger. Let me see Bubba Ventrum. Do you know what happened 31 years ago today? I just looked numerically at the date today, and I realized that something happened 31 years ago today. Is that a tease? Do you want to guess what it is? Or I can just tell you next. I like the tease part. Let's okay, we'll tell you next. So I don't... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. I don't know why... I've always remembered this day. Well, I do know why. Um, my friend Andrea from high school, her, her birthday is November 7th. And my freshman year of college, I, I will never forget, on her birthday, like wishing her a happy birthday as I was watching on television. And <clears throat> this is hard to believe this was 31 years ago. Did you cue that up, Mark? Uh, this announcement, which pretty much stunned the world, and if you were not around then, it's probably impossible to emphasize how shocking it was, but this was 31 years ago today. Um, because of the, the HIV virus that I have attained, uh, I will have to retire from the Lakers uh, today. Um I just want to make clear, first of all, that I do not have the AIDS disease, because I know a lot of you are cons- want to know that, but uh, HIV virus. Um, that was Magic Johnson, November 7th, 1991. Hmm. And that was like... Is that before the start of the season? That's a good question. It would have been right... Yeah, I don't think that they had played any games yet, right? Now, again, the, I'm showing my age here, Jake. He plays for the Dream Team in 92. His last NBA season would have been, like, did he play then, 91? Or he he came that? back. So he came back and played in the All-Star game. It was very symbolic because, right. you know what I mean? Um, and then, yes, he played on the Dream Team. So he, he, at that moment, it was thought that his career was over in entirety. And then... We learned more about HIV and AIDS largely due, quite frankly, to Magic Johnson as time went on. And so he did come back in various capacities in various ways over the course of the next couple of years. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Their season began, uh, November. well, they played on November 5th, 
against the Clippers, as a matter of fact. So, huh. uh, and in that game, I don't see he must have been hurt because I don't see that he played in that game. Got about a minute left. College basketball season underway tonight. Indiana and is it Moorhead State? Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, that's over on our sister station. Um, again, Butler, New Orleans from Hinkle at six thirty. Purdue will get started tomorrow. Uh, the Pacers will tip at seven forty-five tonight against the Pelicans. That's a home game, so a lot of action here on this Monday night. It'll be Ravens Saints Monday Night Football. Um, do you think when we do this show tomorrow, there's any chance? Frank Reich is let go. I don't. But what about you? Yeah, I put it at a small, small percentage. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a chance, right? Yeah, but yeah, I, and embarrassing type performances, I think, would need to happen for Jim Irsay. Well, they've done that. To do something, and yesterday, calling it embarrassing would probably be an understatement. Yes, That's fair. So... Um, who knows? Maybe Matt Pryor will be next to the scapegoat table. That table's kind of growing. <laughs> it is. We should call ahead for reservations when we make that dinner. Um, I, I can't give you a compliment on the fight song. I know you're under the weather, so I guess I'll compliment That's you there. Right. But Thank you. I thought your lyrics. Someone write that for you. <laughs> I wrote it myself. It's Jake Corey. I'm Kevin Bowen. Enjoy this Monday. Mark Dykton. We're signing off.